Welcome to the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fings. All right, we're back. Episode 84, right? Yes. 84? 85? It might be 85. God damn. Why do yeah. I forget every week? Well, I only remember because I'm sitting in front of the computer. <laughs> 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 All right, man. We got a special guest in the building. Kenny Calvin. What's up, Sir? world? All right, man. Put your hands together. Hey. Is that the yellow one? Yeah. Oh, that's a gunshot. Oh, but it ain't nothing popping up. Oh, I think damn. the volume's down on it. I think it's oh, this yeah, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there we there go. We Let's go. try that again. Wait, introduce him again. Hold oh, on, hold on, hold on. Okay. All right, okay. we got Kenny Calvin. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Come on, man. Hold on, bro. You got to wait till it die down. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, go ahead. You, you killed the buzz. We got Kenny Calvin in the building. Hey, you can never go... Wrong with applause. Right. Never, baby. Gotta give him a proper introduction, man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Keith being a DJ over here. <laughs> fucking Keith Capri. Yeah, fucking DJ, uh, DJ Killjoy over here. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, we got Kenny Calvin in the building. This guy's a jack of all trades, a renaissance man. We're going to learn a little more about, you know, people moving and shaking out here in our city. Um, so let's formally introduce him. Got Kenny Calvin. I appreciate you guys. How you doing? Great, yeah, man. man. Great, man. You know, just just uh, uh, kicking Last. back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Kicking back, wearing blue sweaters. Keith over here looking like <laughs> Keith looking like a super crip. <laughs> you got that driller blue on. You can't go wrong, man. <laughs> Telling you, man. <laughs> All right, man. All right. We're going to start this podcast off like we always do and go into a couple of, uh, e- I won't say events, but just a couple of topics here. Mm-hmm. Um one of them is the uh, California changing their or California schools changing uh, the school time. So was it eight thirty a.m.? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I believe that high schools are not supposed to start um, before eight a.m. So you could start basically any time after eight a.m. That's crazy. Yeah, that's fucking late. That's way too late. For yeah. people. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you supposed to do? You got to go to work. You, I usually drop my kids off about mm-hmm. seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. and go right to work. You know what I mean? So it's it's like you're going to have a, a whole pocket of kids that start missing school because they don't have transportation. Cause they yeah, yeah, that's they true. Didn't even All think right, that. I, th- I guess what they did was they took um, like some scientific studies as far as like sleep, sleep cycles and stuff like that. And they found out that um, that's like the perfect time as far as like energy and learning <laughs> and stuff. But like you said, you said um, it's like people have lives outside of, you know, their kid going to school, people drop their kids off at school. Also, when you have a real job in the real world, you know, you yeah. ain't going to be able to just change yeah, the start up, time up, when up you jazz. want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was fortunate, you know, being an administrator where I'm like, okay, I'm coming in at seven instead of eight, y'all. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. like, I can make that decision, right. you know, from mm-hmm. that role. But another thing that the, to think about, shoot, if I was able to go to school at 8.30, 25 years ago, <laughs> I probably would have had a, a 3.8. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> because yeah. I stunk it up in first period classes my whole tired, life. Huh? Tired. Mm-hmm. Sleep. You know, yeah. so I can get it from a student perspective yeah. if you want to sleep in. Yeah. You understand. If yeah. you're an athlete, though, nowadays, it don't even matter because you got zero period. Oh, yeah. 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 And, that, and, you know, coaches going to sneak practices. <laughs> Oh, no yeah. rest. Yeah. We all football guys. We yeah. Know, you know. They'll make you practice at lunch if they could. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Coach will tell you some shit like, yeah, we got to like practice and then run the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Definitely, man. Yeah, all right, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I had some mean coaches, too. Yeah, that- <laughs> yeah. I had some cool ones, but I had some mean ones. Yeah. yeah. I think this whole school thing, it, it, it's, it's terrible because going to school is like the prequel to life. 
Like yeah. it, it's setting up the structure. So when you go out in the real world and you're a working class person, you're not going to be able to say, you know what? I feel like 8 a.m. today. You'll be like, all right, well, mm-hmm. you must feel fucking fired. because <laughs> exactly. We're not going to play with you. Yeah. You know, so if you if you go out in the real world, this does not apply. I, I don't know if this is some progressive thing. You know, because I guess we're getting so progressive, progressive mm-hmm. now. You're right. That we're like, oh, you know, if they want to eat lollipops for dinner, then they should be able to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we want to give give the new generation so many different shots to be lazy. Yeah, yeah. what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that sometimes people just overthink these things. Yeah. Like they don't. You don't need no scientific research to know when to start school. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, just get up. Who made who who created like was some fucking nerd somewhere telling people how to <laughs> how to conduct these children right. like this is just giving them more time to play Fortnite <laughs> exactly go to yeah. fucking school man exactly. you shouldn't be <laughs> yeah 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 you know mm-hmm. yeah, you know I mean you know when it comes down to politics even with the time change we just had the time change right yeah 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 mm-hmm. we just changed it to where we're not gonna change the time change when I was playing in Arizona we don't have right you know, time changes you know and all that mm-hmm. stuff so so. You know, it really goes back to what you just said. And, you know, are we overthinking things right. and, and overcomplicating things? And are we being too soft right? <laughs> as a generation of people? Yeah. That's what yeah. I feel like is happening. You know, even yeah. with football in itself, you know, you can't even tackle a guy no more. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, yeah, we're, we're, just, we're setting a false reality yeah. where we're putting young people in a world where, you know, now they could start later. I don't really know how that helps anything. It, I mean, your day ends later, also. Just so. stupid. Mm-hmm. As as a kid, I used to want to get home. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. They got cool the uh, the school kids now after school programs getting out. You know, six p.m. Mm-hmm. You know, and that like it's a couple of hours just to get ready. So now, if you're dropping it one more hour, are you getting out at seven? Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, that's late. Oh, no. That's really late. Yeah, yeah those are the kind of things that come into play when you start mm-hmm. talking about changing that time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think they thought it through that much. If you if you're only using science as the you know the backdrop for creating this idea, then you know you you're missing all all kind of other factors. Like you said, Definitely. parents drop uh, parents dropping kids off, and how late are you going to get out? You know, practices are going to be later. Um, all this, you know, and then with the time change, like kids gonna be getting out of school at nighttime, basically. So that's yeah. a lot that goes into yeah, it. They, they, they didn't factor in a lot of shit, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of parents want to get their. They have a schedule for their job. Yeah, that those two things usually correlate. So mm-hmm. you know, if my kid starts cool, school at six forty five. I got to be to work at eight. I could just drop his ass off, mm-hmm. and I could head to work. But now I got to drop my. What's gonna happen? It's gonna be a lot of kids just walking around, not doing yep. shit. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then, um, then it, what comes into play is all the questionable stuff that's happening in the community. From you know, you got these predators. Yeah, you, know, you got all these kids out. You know, unsupervised. Yeah, at certain hours of the morning, like back when we were drillers. You know, it, it would be times where, you know, we go to school at first period and by second period, we off campus anyway, walking through the world, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Shooting dice, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, to like, this is what's going to happen. You got kids that since school is starting late, now you're going to have less students in school. They're yeah. going to have more more distractions before they even get to school because yeah. they're going to be so programmed to getting up or the parents is already at work at yeah. 630, yeah. 7. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now you got unsupervised kids just out in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, idle time could be the enemy to a teenager. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, you got idle time. You got you're you're just doing shit you have no business doing. Man, you around yeah. people you're not supposed to be with. 
getting high before school. Mm-hmm. I was moving our corporate offices the other day mm-hmm. and saw two kids about 10 in the morning trying to tuck behind a building. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, y'all don't even know. I work at the district. Yeah. yeah. I'll just call somebody and tell them y'all back here. Yeah. yeah. Y'all putting yourself in these positions. That's the kind of stuff that's going to happen. Yes. Oh, you know yeah. What I mean, yes. you know. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, my mom at work already. I ain't got mm-hmm. to be tripping. Yeah, I think another thing they don't factor in is the home lives of these kids. Like, everybody don't got no, no, you know, awesome home life. Yeah. A lot yeah. of times it's, it's situations where parents, they don't really have their shit together. And, you know, the kids are off to school and things aren't great, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, just this whole stand later thing, like, kids need to get the fuck out of the house and be Absolutely. In the house too much as it is. Yeah. yeah. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the problem with. This generation, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even with, you know, I keep reflecting on the games because I've been, you know, commentating the last 48 hours. Yeah. But just watching kids tackle now. They don't even know how to tackle no more because only tackling they doing is when they going to practice. Back in the days, we was tackling in the street, in the yeah. park. We all, you know what I mean? We <laughs> yeah. playing every chance we can get without gear. You know what yeah. I mean? So we was a little tougher. Mm-hmm. You right. know what I mean? Nowadays, you know, it's, it's just they're not physical enough Based mm-hmm. on the fact that they sitting on the couch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, it. Yeah, they yeah. on the game, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think too though is that there's been some changes to the game that have incorporated that and also made it you could say softer, but at the same time they're trying to get smarter, but it's not mm-hmm. really translating right to the kids. Like you could still make great tackles, but at the same time it's football, man. Yeah. Well, the, my key is this: you know, being a former defensive player and coach. Mm-hmm. Kids on defense got to protect themselves too, right? Like, yeah. And that's what happened. You know, yesterday one of the kids got threw out to the uh, BC game, but you know, you got a guy lowering his head to run you over, running 16, 17 miles an hour. Right? When I'm supposed to just come and just love him up, I got to yeah. drop my head yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know. But I, I understand. You know, you're trying to keep safety in the game, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just that I think the generation is off. I'm sorry. Yeah, for the younger yeah. generation, I know some of y'all be in the gym. <laughs> y'all feel like y'all tough. Y'all playing too much, man. <laughs> you gotta feel, get, a get, lot of these tackling rules feels like very contradictory, though. Yeah, it's yeah, like I absolutely. don't know, like I, you know, I don't play anymore. But I don't. When I see you know different flags and stuff, I'm like, yo, what? I thought that looked good. Like, yeah, that looked yeah. like a good tackle to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're not gonna make the perfect tackle every time. Mm-hmm. And if you try to make the perfect tackle, people are gonna start fucking you up. Yep, and that's when you are gonna end up getting hurt. Your ass hurt. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, they talk about all oh, you know. Uh, you know, was it the lower in the head? I, I think that when a player gets, if a player gets lower than you, quicker than you, then you're not going to square up and hit him perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. They'll mm-hmm. say helmet to helmet, whatever. Like, I'll take that flag. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but if you're fucking six foot four and a running back is five foot eight mm-hmm. and he yeah. drops his pads, you can I'll, get his, it's not going to work like that. Yeah. I was saying yesterday <laughs> how, you know, I wouldn't have been able to survive. I've been thrown out of every game. Yeah. yeah. You know, based on the fact that I'm coming to hit you. I'm not about to just catch you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we say, when you're playing catch on defense, that means you just sitting there and your feet stopping. Yeah, somebody just coming in waiting contact. You're waiting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Kenny was headhunting back in the day, man. <laughs> Kenny, yeah. Kenny played back in the day, but they didn't have, they didn't have face masks back then. <laughs> <laughs> now y'all got these scars on my forehead. <laughs> 40 stitches in his forehead. Bleeding every game. <laughs> yeah, you got some people that can hit and you got people that just just evil, man. Yeah. Just trying to. I just see some dudes just throw their whole body. Mm-hmm. Every play, man. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but yeah, uh, ultimately, uh, the whole time change, I don't think it's beneficial. It's just my opinion, but mm-hmm. yeah. that's neither there, near, neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, and, and with, you know, thinking school, I'm always going to think athletics because, I, you know, we're former athletes and how right. it plays into, you know, the process. And that's mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm just, I don't see it working well from a time management standpoint, mm-hmm. right. you know, because it's already only enough hours in a day. And now you got kids yeah. starting later. They yeah. should, mm-hmm. If anything, they should have been starting early. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ima- imagine the um, actual football games. Though I remember, I used to be so tired on Friday nights. Oh yeah, and now it's going to be one hour later, probably. Yeah, you know, yeah. so I'm like, Shh, can't do I just, just kind of think about you mentioned the whole time thing. Just like where you know, I don't want to ruin this. We'll talk more about this later. But <laughs> I was just like thinking, like, where will we be if we didn't play any type of sport? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. We'll get more into that later. All right, switching gears. Um, it, it's kind of uh, People say Oh you made it <laughs> Right Oh you made it You made it What's making it mm-hmm. is, is that something That is in the eye Of the beholder mm-hmm. Is it something That is just seen By everyone As making it You know What in your opinion Is making it You know, you know I, I mean I'll, I'll respond it, it, it varies in levels mm-hmm. You know Internal Peace is the ultimate happiness. You know what I right. mean? So, you know, if you, if, you know, I, I know I, I can see some homeless people that probably feel like they made it already mm-hmm. because they don't have no responsibilities. <laughs> you know, Shit. and they just living. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen some very happy homeless people before. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, wow. I used to be like, man, how this fool is so happy? Yeah. Because he ain't got no bills. Ain't True. nobody stressing yeah. him out. He, you know, he don't owe nobody no money. True. Ain't nobody expecting nothing from him. True. He has no expectations. So for, for that guy, he probably feels okay when he gets a, a small win. You know, for, but mm. but but I'll 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 shift gears a bit. You know, from a uh, making a standpoint, I remember getting a scholarship. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember wanting a scholarship and right. feeling like, man, if I get this scholarship, I made it. Mm-hmm. Like, remember that you yeah. have that feeling? <laughs> yeah, you know, when we were young athletes, yeah, and, you know, yeah, hoping yeah. to helping to get an opportunity mm-hmm. to play at the next level. You felt yeah. like when that happened. You made it, right? Yeah. Right. And then you get the scholarship and you're like, dang, I still got to work. You got to climb I still, up the ladder. Yeah. I still got to go to practice. Mm-hmm. I still got to go to class to to be able to keep this scholarship. You yeah. know, and I got to keep a certain grade point average to keep this scholarship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ain't made shit. Yeah. Right. All right. So now my career, college career, you transition, you get an opportunity, a phone call to play at the next level. Wow. You think you made it. Mm-hmm. I, guys, I got a call. I'm moving, man. I get with y'all. You know, yeah. you flying me out. You know, yeah. I get to. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm working out. I'm on the practice squad. Right. I made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you get to practice squad, and you realize there's seven seven guys playing in front of you that you better than, but you don't get no reps. Oh, but you yeah. think you made it, and now you just sitting and watching. You know, yeah. and now ev- now everybody else that think you made it don't understand how frustrated you is because yeah. you ain't made shit. You still sitting and watching, waiting for a turn, <sighs> and then all of a sudden you get. Call in the office and they tell you it's time to go home when you thought you made it. Mm-hmm. And then you got to start all over again. Yeah. So was that making it? Shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Made it further than a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but shoot, it's a long way down. Yeah. Right, you know I mean? right, right. You know, like it's a lot of, a lot of, you know, players that I've coached, you know, and they come back and tell me, man, Coach Cal, man, I appreciate what you told me, man. Right. You always told me not to keep all my eggs in one basket, man. This stuff's yeah. going to be over one day. Yeah. You know, because the day you think you made it, that's when really you just made it to the next level. And life right. is about levels. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's just like 
uh, imagine being on some stairs that was so big that you could just climb up. It just looked like a, a, a steep building. Mm-hmm. As soon as you got to it, it was just another step. Mm-hmm. And then you get to, to to that next step and you get build a ladder to climb all the way up it. And guess what? It's another big ass step right behind that one. And that's what <laughs> life is about. Yeah. yeah. Big ass steps behind each other. You just got to figure out a way to climb up. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that was that's awesome. what I think when I hear people talking about making, making it. That's Man. a that's a good like quote quotable thing, mm-hmm. almost like Dalai Lama, but it, it'd be like <laughs> Ken Calvin, <laughs> big ass steps, big ass steps. <laughs> Life is about big ass steps. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, because I, I, I'll say this, you know, in regards to making it, you know, I'm I'm a, come from humble beginnings, man, grew oh, up yeah. without parents, you know, mm. from a from a general house standpoint my mom's still living, you know, we got a good relationship right, right, now. Right. We didn't have a traditional relationship, understood, and. I got to tell y'all, I've achieved probably every dream I've ever had mm. that I wanted to do. I've got to play college sports. You know, I play sports at a high level. Mm-hmm. I've, I've toured as an artist. I've worked with some of the biggest names in the business and music. I've been an actor in a film. I wrote a story that was written into the script of a Viacom movie, mm-hmm. you know, 15 years ago. And all of these things are like, dang, I thought after I did that, that I made it. But mm-hmm. I didn't. I just mm-hmm. realized it was just another yeah. another resume piece and another brick another on a foundation. The you know what I mean? And if you get satisfied with achieving those some of those things, you know, and that's that's okay. But ultimately, if if life is if something that you want to keep stacking accomplishments on, I'm I'm heavy on that. Like right. I wanna I wanna use the, the opportunities of making it to the next levels of everything we do right. to inspire. That's really the only, mm-hmm. the hunger that I have to make it to the next levels, mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's just so somebody else that probably ain't made it to any level can be inspired by watching me and seeing me. Right. Yeah, that's one hell of a, definitely. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Making it to me is very, uh, trying to find the word, but it to me it's, it's, it's very, uh, like, come on! How can you say someone made it? Like, you never really make it. Mm-hmm. Like, like you mentioned, okay. there's levels to it. Like, if you're if you make it to the NFL and you you make it to second string and they actually use you in games, you got to sustain that. Mm-hmm. You have to find ways to get better within that system. Absolutely. If you don't, you're gonna lose it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people they they flame out after a while. Yeah. Like that's why that's one of the reasons why me and Keith do this podcast every week because we haven't fucking made it. Yeah. Why would you? Mm-hmm. Why do you think you can take a break if you haven't made it? Yeah, I mean, you, and and then when you start to get some steam, why would you stop then? Yeah. Then you got to keep going. Then when you become you, you reach the apex of your success. Now you have to sustain that. Absolutely, you, you can't just divert from what you're doing and say I deserve a break. Mm-hmm. Like, what have you done to deserve that? Absolutely. So it's yeah. There's a, it, it like it it encompasses so much. Like you can't just say like that's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I think about it from like, um, like I agree with both of y'all. I think about it from, you know, some of my favorite uh, people or athletes or entertainers in the world. Um, you see a guy like Leonardo DiCaprio, you yeah. know, it took him years and years and years before he finally got his uh, his Oscar award. And, you know, some people may think that he made it. You know, but in his mind, being a competitor and, you know, being a person that wants to, you know, continue to strive to be better and, you know, push himself to his limits, he probably thought he, you know, he didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And even after winning that, it's like, you know, there's another movie that drops and can you can you repeat a performance or, 
you know, can you be as good as you were in, in the last movie? Yes. Or, you know, a guy like Kobe Bryant, you know, you're always living in the shadow of a of a Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, all the Laker legends and stuff like that. So it's just like, like you guys said, you never really make it because once you do attain some sort of success, you got to, you got to yeah, sustain uphold that. that standard. Mm-hmm. Yes. You got to sustain that or, you know, get better at, you know, whatever your craft is. So it's yeah. a constant process of just. Yeah. One, one of my jobs is working as a stage manager for the next episode concert series. Mm-hmm. And if the executive producers of that concert series are the executive producers of the show Unsung okay. on TV One. Mm-hmm. And I get to work with all these musicians that I grew up just idolizing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, like, wow, man, I grew up on this dude. Now I'm I'm in charge of him today. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm directing them and sending them where they need to go. Mm-hmm. And just in those experiences, and I'll take it back even further, when uh, I was a driver for 112, you know, my family invests in concerts and music and stuff. I was a driver. And I thought that they made it. You know, this is 112, Biggie and Buffy (laughs) and them, man. I thought these dudes, you know, like, man, y'all got it made. Mm -hmm. And now I'm the driver and I'm in the van while y'all arguing over show money because it's only $7,000 and it's six people. Ouch. In yeah. the van that have to be paid out of this seven thousand dollar night. Yeah. And y'all are multi millionaire mm-hmm. platinum artists. And I thought y'all made it. You, yeah. heard, you heard it first on the Chuckers Mind podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean I, I mean I'm a, my life's an open book, you know, and that's why, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. and now as we know, one twelve is no longer the, you know, a, a, a whole group. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because of those kind of things, you know, you grow apart, there's not enough money. You know, and and that's where Mm-hmm. For my first time, you know, and this was after I retired from playing football and I was right. getting back into music and trying to open up and be an opening act and doing yeah. taking whatever job I could take to be on the road. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dang, man, I missed work this week. I missed three days of work. I mm-hmm. made like 1500 bucks on the road. Mm-hmm. But them dudes was on the song with Biggie and they made about $450 a piece oh a night. God. You mm. know what I mean? Because yeah, it's six terrible. people on the road. You know what I mean? And is that making it to me? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. But because just like we said, you're not always going to be at that level of success that you thought that you were always going to have, whether it's art, mm-hmm. music, sports, or whatever. Sometimes there comes that reality where you go back down to, mm-hmm. to real-life dollars, right. <laughs> and, and now everybody's stressing. Mm-hmm. You, know? Yeah. And that, you know, and so that's one of the biggest, best memories that I have of, man, maybe I need to. Go reality back to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not miss work for this next show or whatever. You know what Man. I mean? Because I, I wanted to be around this stuff. I, I used to want to be the guy on stage. And I, I have I have thousands of songs. You know what I mean? But ultimately, I had to figure out, like, what's my definition of making it? So right. mm-hmm. thinking about that, as I reflect on what I told y'all, the beauty of making it for me was being able to keep my lights on for my for my kids and my family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever I can. To, to keep some food in the refrigerator and the gas tank's full mm-hmm. and, and a few bucks, that might be making. Yeah. Making it to the next payday is making yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, <laughs> I, think we, I think we get life in doses too. I, I think that, like you mentioned, those situations going on and getting involved with these different things. You, you, I think I told him like you, like you have this incremental growth like over a span of five years. Mm-hmm. Like from the age of 20 to 25, the way you look at things might be different. And then from mm-hmm. 25 to 30, so you started to realize how non-important some of this stuff was. Absolutely. Although your interest was in it, 
and when you were in it, you were like, this is great. But then you started to like your definition of making it and what was important started to change. Yeah, It starts to shift, yeah. you know, and it, and it comes from being around people that you thought made it. And you right. see how yeah. miserable some of their lives yeah. are at times like, dang. Yeah, I've seen it. I thought I thought that was making it. Oh, I man. guess that ain't making it. And it was, yeah. it was crazy, too, because I'm only 34, but I could look back from. From high school and I'm like man this guy this guy was a lady he had all the girls mm-hmm. you know, now he smokes crack like what's going yeah. on man? yeah that's true yeah, yeah. it's crazy it happens to the it's, best of them it's perception man that yeah. perception could be bad it could be good and bad um you know as far as like even us there there might be some people that you know see we got a few hundred views every week or so and they might think we getting paid off the podcast and we're right. doing good in life. Just, you know, earlier today, some girl recognized us from one of our short films. And, nice. you know, um, some some people might think that's making it. But mm-hmm. we ain't making no money off of the films. And we still, you know, meeting in Barnes and Nobles to, yeah. you know, come up with ideas and putting together little scraps of money here and there to do it. But, you know. It's always it's always a, a a level you can uh you know like yeah. that's that staircase example you can always yeah, exactly. take that next step. But but you but see the difference is you realize you haven't made it. That's why you keep working. Yeah. That's why that's we keep doing key. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's some people that I don't know they get they start to feel themselves. Oh yeah. It's like you shouldn't do that. Like you you <laughs> you've created a ceiling. Yes. When you do that you create a ceiling. So now you're like, "Oh, okay, I'm this big hip hop guy or I'm the big film guy. Look at me." Yeah. Like I don't have I'm extremely humble. Because in regards to this podcast, I don't have the right to ever act like that. Absolutely. And I tell guys all the time, <laughs> no matter how good I make things look, because right. it's my job to make things look good as a brand ambassador, <laughs> right? You know right, what I mean? But right. don't get it twisted. Yeah. You know, any and everything can be taken away from you yeah. in a moment's notice. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's, it's one thing to enjoy it while it lasts, but it's also another thing to be realistic where you are. And that's why, you know, people ask me all the time, man, Ken, now you got so much time to do everything you do. It's because I'm scared. I, I, I ain't comfortable. You know what I mean? I, I need to make sure. I need to make. Yes, that's what makes people great. Fear mm-hmm. of failure is what make you great on the field and yeah. in life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you know, yeah, I, I might have this going. I might have that going. It might look outstanding, but mm-hmm. don't think that just because it looked cool, yeah. I'm not thinking that. All right, what else I got to do? Because this is a big ass step, and I know yeah. I got to keep looking. I see it. I see the next step coming. You yeah, know what I mean? but, that, but that says a lot about you, though. You keep putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Most people, they just like, well, I'm going to go to nine to five. I yeah. know I know that I could rely on this. But when you keep challenging yourself yeah. over and over, you start to just mm-hmm. you, you get in a world where you constantly are trying to climb that next la- that next step. Yeah. And it puts a lot of pressure on you, but you thrive in that. Mm-hmm. So that's important. Mm-hmm. Like, I think regardless of who you are, whether it's Keith, me, whoever. If you keep putting yourself in com- in uncomfortable situations, that means you're challenging yourself. Absolutely. If you're not challenging yourself, then you're just going through every, every day like whoop-de-doo, you know. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's not going to take you anywhere. You're, yeah. you're going to be very, you're going to stagnate and not do much. Mm-hmm. I think about that, uh, that fear of failure we were talking about in, you know, kind of aligning that with uh, like perception. I remember it was our first game my senior year. Uh, I forget who we were playing, some team from down south. Um, and uh, can I think Canyons or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and we were playing them, and it was a, it was a fairly easy game. We it, we didn't score a lot of points on offense, but you know it wasn't the game was never really in jeopardy. And um, in my mind, I think I'm doing okay. We winning, you know what I mean? It's uh, I think by 
halftime, we had scored a touchdown and a field goal or something like that. And then um, I think I walk. I'm walking back to um, the sideline and coach in my mind, I'm like, okay, we doing cool. We winning. Coach Gola is like, son, you're getting abused out there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like, like me, we winning. I thought, I thought it was all good. Um, but that changed the way I, you know, I, I, I looked at myself and at the game because like you said, it's like you, you get a react, you get a reality, um, a slap in the face almost yeah, and you realize absolutely. you're not as good as you as you are yes, that's you, what makes you great mm-hmm. when you finally can look at yourself and like damn i'm not as good as i thought i was yeah 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 you know I'm, and that's like even in life too like you know you think you're good because mm-hmm. you got a few bills stacked you know mm-hmm. you might have a cool job but you know these companies they don't love you like they say they love you yeah, you know what i mean yeah. I've, I've, I've had experiences where i was with companies you know, for a while, and they see the influence that you have other places, they start treating you different. You know what oh I mean? So, God. you know, it's, it's, it's situations where you better make sure that you stretch your comfort zone out to try to figure out exactly what you can be great at, right. just in case you got to go do that, you know, after mm-hmm. somebody closes the door. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the one of the biggest things I talk about when I'm giving, you know, motivational speeches and stuff like that is mm-hmm. stretch your comfort zone, man. Yeah. You know, hang around people who you've never been around to see what kind of things they're into to see if there's something you can adapt to is it something you know open your eyes to different relationships don't don't sit in the same community all the time Mm -hmm. you know go go visit different restaurants eat different foods you know Mm -hmm. how you know what you like you ain't tried everything you know from 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 a from a aspect of in enticing your mind and 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 Activating those neurons, right? <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Just from a brain standpoint, we we such as a people, we so stuck in a box because we worried about what the homie gonna say, right? Yeah. What, what your what your cousins gonna think, mm-hmm. your, your your folks that's still stuck in their box, right? And and you probably the person that can inspire them and change change their right. life forever. But you you still thinking like them because you ain't stressed your comfort zone. Right. And we mm-hmm. we talked about that a little bit before the podcast. Like it's basically like we could speak as us as three black men how. You know, we're not monolithic. We're not, yeah. we're, you know, we're not through one, you know, one whole. Like, we're basically, like, for example, if you hear me listening to country music, you're like, why is he listening? Mm-hmm. Because I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or why is he wearing those tight or boots or jeans mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to expand your horizons. Yeah. And I think if, if you have, if you're influenced by something that's not the norm, it's nothing wrong with that. Not yeah. at all. Yeah, I think all three of us are blessed in, you know, the fact that we found a passion outside of sports. Cause there's Absolutely. a lot of right. people I'm sure you play with. I definitely played with that's yeah. still stuck on football. Absolutely. Yo, man, I, I remember back in the day I had that touchdown or, mm-hmm. you know, we was going crazy, you know, but you know, luckily all three of us, like we found, we've experimented with different things, whether it was, you know, trying to start podcasts or music yes. or whatever. And then, you know, you find a passion outside of football because football only lasts so long, right, no matter boy. how good you are. I'm Jerry a, Rice had to retire. Eventually. That's my frat brother too. But I'm going <laughs> to yeah. tell you a Coach Chudy line. Coach Chudy told me, he was like, Kenny Cow, you got too many damn irons in the fire. <laughs> I said, well, Coach Lisa, I got a fire. I got a fire going though, don't I? And he yeah. just turned around, you know, Coach Chudy, don't, he, don't, he don't pull no punches. But yeah. You know, one of the things that I always had to remind them was like, look, I know I'm I'm a, a great football player, but I'm also a great musician. Yeah. I also like to write. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love just being me. I, I'm, right. I'm a versatile person. I, yeah. I mean, I played eight sports, you know what yeah. I mean? So 
there's gonna be time where you think I God might damn, be hold on, man. Hold on. Eight? Yeah, I played eight sports. I was an all American swimmer before I ever picked up a football. See, that's, that's another crazy. thing too. So that's how you know, you know, black people are not monolithic, because this man could swim. Yeah, I was yeah. A, I was a <laughs> national record holder as a breaststroker at twelve. Wow. Mm-hmm. I heard um I heard she he was a good swimmer too. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. She's I good. Think- that guy's good at a lot of things, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, that's one thing that I, I I almost wish that at least me or you know other people because I you know when I'm when I'm uh you know just swimming at you know summer times or whatever I always mm-hmm. felt like I was a good swimmer and you know going to different like NYSP and all the mm-hmm. most sports camps and stuff I always felt like I was a good swimmer but it it's just you know we we're not we're not um. We're not really shown these kind of things. Yeah, you know, it don't look shown, cool to us. Yeah, either. yeah. You right. know what I mean? Who wants to be the the, the nigga in speedos? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember the first time I put a speedo on. I was swimming for California Park too. Oh. You know what I mean? We hit Martin Luther King Park. Yeah, yeah. It's back when it was California Park. Yeah. It'd be like nine of us. We swimming in cut off jean shorts, Dang. <laughs> uh, Bermuda wow. shorts. Wow. You know what I mean? We That's go to crazy. the championships. Yeah, it's killing. Huh? 20, it's it's thirty thirty. Member teams and it's nine of us and all nine of us gold medal, gold medal, mm-hmm. gold medal. Wow. Winning all our relays it's and everything. Too, we walking out, everybody like, yeah, like, yeah. all right. Wow. And next year I came with them speedos on. It was like, <laughs> oh, now he got the gear. Are you serious? Yeah. Right. And that was like that was my first time of stretching my comfort zone because yeah. I'm like, I ain't about to keep swimming in these Bermuda shorts and barely beating these cats. What's yeah. up with this drag? All right, what do I mm-hmm. need to do? Well, you need to swim in some. You need to swim in some real swimwear and it can cut. Three seconds mm-hmm. off your time. Wow. Oh, all right. Well, shoot, cool. You know, now, like, those are the kind of things, and all the homies like, oh, listen, nigga. <laughs> yeah. got this kid got the speedos on. Yeah. yeah, I got the national record, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so that, like, those are the things where I knew to start thinking out of the box early. There you, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. niggas rather lose a, a race wearing some dicky shorts. <laughs> 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 you, you, you know, this, this is a little out of context, but you mentioned Coach Sheehy. Um, That's my guy, too. Yeah, I, I knew there was levels to stuff because when I was a junior, um, Coach Sheehy, he had just got out of the, I think it was the XFL. Mm-hmm. He's one of the mm-hmm. best, I think he was the best back. Yeah, he league. was the most official uh, player that he yeah. had when he went. I did, I refused to go play. I didn't want to play. I was. I drank myself to death nearly Damn. my mm-hmm. first two years out of football. I didn't want to go try to play in no yeah. other league. Mm-hmm. I ain't going yeah. to Canada. I don't want to play in no arena. Yeah. yeah. Give me a bottle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, he, he was young, man. It, and he played for the Chiefs and then he went there. But I remember uh, when Koshi showed up to uh, BHS, um, I think it was on the offseason, actually. I was mm-hmm. a junior. It was me and Desmond. And uh, I was like 17. No, I think I was still 16. I think Desmond was 15 going on 16. And he was like, uh, Desmond was running his mouth. And Koshi was like, all right, then let's meet up after, after school then. We could, we could run after school. Yeah. And uh, I was standing with Desmond's ass, and he was like, both of y'all. I see both of y'all. And I was like, man, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> so we go, and we're running with Coach Sheehy, and this he basically did a drill where you run across the field. So it's like 50 yards across. Like a gasser? Yeah. So mm-hmm. once the next guy come back, then it was your turn. Yeah. But Sheehy was running so damn fast that by the time he got back, we was already tired. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's he when was I knew. Machine, man. Yeah, that's when I knew it was levels to this shit. I was yeah. like, man. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, and we had some classic battles, you know, playing Foothill. You know, she he was a year over me. Uh, mm-hmm. We beat we beat him in front of 27,000 people at Damn. DC, but 
th- those are the kind of guys that bring out the best in you. You know, yeah. that's why I'm not surprised to see the success he has. Oh, definitely. Coaching at that level. My daughter's playing at BHS. This oh, year. nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's hooping. I remember you, yeah. you showed, you posted like a video. <laughs> Y'all was like running or running drills and then you <laughs> yeah. ran with her. Yeah, I, I, I forgot to upload her up. Uh, Physical, you know, mm-hmm. you sp- nowadays they got the technology. I ain't. I thought the doctor gonna call him, tell him. Yeah, you know, but I forgot, and I mm-hmm. was like, "All right, you gotta, you gotta run." I told she, "I'ma run with you." Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a, the first time I ran full speed in about five years. <laughs> Hurt. Yeah, I'm sure he respects that though. That's an honor- honorable <laughs> thing. You yeah, know? you know, if, if if it's on me, I'ma put the work in with you. You know, that's yeah. what I tell my kids too. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna show you how hard I work, so you can't tell me no excuses. That's my right. motto with my kids. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you can you can be shorter, you know, you can be a little less powerful than people, but they they can't outwork you. Yeah, you know, that's what I tell my kids. As long as you show people your work ethic, you're gonna be all right. Yeah, is that yeah. um? I always imagine just because um, you know, I love football, but I don't think my career played out exactly how I wanted it to. Um, but you know, I'm sure you you wish you probably could have you know reached higher levels. But is there certain things that you you know, took from your experiences, whether it was, you know, learning to, you know, definitely like work ethic or politics mm. or whatever. Is that stuff you'd be sharing with your kids? Oh, absolutely. I, I teach them all the time that, uh, you know, without the leadership and guidance from people that were coaches and teammates keeping you accountable, I wouldn't be the kind of person I am because I didn't 100%. have that kind of guidance in the house, of course. Yeah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, your teammates depending on you. You know what I mean? So right. you want to make sure that, you putting in the, the the as much work as everybody else out there. You don't never want to feel like you can't bring something to the table. And mm-hmm. you know, you know, when it comes to to the sport aspect, period, it just taught me consistency mm-hmm. and giving more energy when I think I ain't got nothing left. Facts. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 for me, you know, it never never allowing people to get behind me, man. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, playing playing DB, I'll, t- I'll take that philosophy to life as well yeah. because, you know, it's, it's, it's people that that run right alongside you, mm-hmm. you know, that, that wish they could be in your spot. And if they get behind you, you know, yeah. they're going to be the ones that score. You it's know, so, you know, it's just mm-hmm. just making sure mm-hmm. I'm deepest, the deepest in life yeah. too. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and, ma- and making sure, deepest. making mm-hmm. sure that I'm I'm staying aware mm-hmm. of every play that's being made. You know, mm-hmm. and keeping things in front of me, man. Mm-hmm. You know? That's dope. Might as well run into the topic. Oh, well then. Oh yeah. Uh, switching gears. Uh, life lessons we learn from sports. Uh, I'll start with myself. Uh, one of those things that I've learned. Well, many things. Um is the fellowship for one, the brotherhood of, Mm -hmm. you know, playing football. You know, I wasn't a stellar, stellar athlete. You know, I wasn't great, you know, but at the same time, what I've learned from that, from playing sports and playing football is that, man, you got more in the tank than what you think you got, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And I carry that with everything that I've done in the real world, whether Mm -hmm. I'm at at a job and let's say I'm doing a labor job and, you know, I'm t- I'm trying to get some shit done. I know I could work harder because I've done more than this before. Absolutely. Whether it's been Absolutely. from from a physical aspect or mentally, you know, you got to push yourself. So that's one of the things. Another thing I've learned is the fact that you got people that are trying to to get the most out of you. You're not always going to have that. 
So it's important to learn how to be self-motivated. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, being self-motivated, like there's one thing to, you know, somebody to motivate you. Maybe a coach gives you a great speech or maybe you see some powerful on the Internet or whatever it is. But that shit's going to fizzle out. <laughs> you, you have to be self-motivated to get things done. Absolutely. So you learn to be self-motivated. Um, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's much more, uh, but you know, being 34, my brain capacity, <laughs> you know, like little remnants of football uh, <laughs> might have a little bit of CT sitting in there. <laughs> Man, we all got a little. Bit. I know I got a lot of it. I got a lot of bit. <laughs> yeah, Keith, you be having that problem sometime, man. I think yeah. you got about five percent CTE. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely got it, man. You know, I, I, I was in denial for a while. Oh, yeah, that's but, funny. I think for me, um, uh, the number one thing that I think about is the competition. Um, you know, just being you gotta you gotta fight for your position. You mm-hmm. know, when you walk on, especially as a freshman, you know, you might have a reputation around town or whatever, but at the end of the day. The best person at that position is going to play. So you got to show up. It's kids coming from the west side of town, from the south side, from the, you know, the north side, from, you know, the east side of town. And, you know, y'all all got to run the same drills. Y'all all got to, you know, strap up and, you know, do the tackling drills or whatever. And the best person is going to be the one that's playing on, you know, Thursday night or Friday night. So I carried that into pretty much everything I do now. And, you know, the things that I do now aren't necessarily competitive, but in my right. mind it's competitive. Absolutely. Whenever I, you know, whenever we get on a podcast, it's like, I want to have the best podcast. There you go. Right. Um, you know, whenever I make a short film or a movie, it's like, you know, I'm having the sports mentality is in my mind. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, at practice or whatever. So, um, definitely keeping that. And then also like one thing that I, I took with me is, um, how much, uh, how important, um, like the mental state of like athletics was like, I felt like whenever I was playing at a certain point, I was just playing to play. And then, um, you know, maybe my senior year it clicked for me where it was like the game started to slow down and it's like, Oh, okay. I know what this quarterback is doing. Or I know what, you know, this receiver, this receiver is slacking his play. He ain't going, he ain't running a route or, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, you know, his, his hands is twitching a little bit. I know he going to run a route or just having the instincts to know, Oh, he going to cut right now. Just yeah. stuff like that, where, you know, that mental state um, could give you that, that edge. You know, you hear guys like Kobe Bryant and he has the little, uh, um, I forget the name of his show, but he's breaking down yeah. game tape lot in live you Mamba. Know, yeah, in live action, or you hear, you know, LeBron just recalling certain plays, and you know, he, look, I seen a video of LeBron telling somebody where to go, and it was the opposing team. Like the player had lined up in the wrong spot. He was wow. like, "Yo, you supposed to be over here." So just knowing that is like part of the DNA of elite people and athletes. Um, I just want to take that mentality into you know everything we do. Um, yes, so for sure. Well, well, for me, what athletics was, and I, and I, I gotta. Goosebump and a tear as you were talking because you you reminded me of something. Mm -hmm. It all started back on the playground, man. Mm -hmm. Opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whether it was you wanted to show the little fly young honey on the (laughs) sideline how fast you was or if you can cross somebody over and hit the jump shot. Or when, you know, I remember playing my first BHS game and I didn't play freshman year. 
Because okay. I was homeless as a freshman. Oh, I didn't know man. what school I was going to go to. So, you know, football started in August. Yes. I wasn't there in August. I showed up on the first day of school like, I want to play. Everybody, like, you late. Yeah, yeah we been yeah. practicing. All right. I'm like, all right, well, fuck y'all. I'm playing this shit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and watch this when I start playing. So, like, my first year of football, um, I remember we played Garces um, at BC, uh, that sophomore mm-hmm. year. I had three touchdowns, uh, six catches for 197 yards in my first First game, yeah, Damn. and what it, what it told me was, and Coach Hudson was our uh, coach at the time, mm-hmm. and what what it showed me was is like, wow, I can use this as a vehicle to get that girl, mm. to get them homies, because I ain't got nobody. Mm-hmm. I'm I didn't get to play with y'all. Y'all treat me like an outsider. Mm-hmm. You know what Man. I mean? So this was my opportunity to mesh and blend in mm-hmm. by showing what I'm capable of, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's that was the first phase. Like, it gave right. me an opportunity mm-hmm. to show that I'm worthy of some, being accepted. Yeah. Right. You know, and that's what that, mm-hmm. that's what sports did for me from the earliest standpoint. Yeah. But ultimately, after I figured out, hey, I can, I'm pretty good at this. Mm-hmm. Whatever we playing, yeah. football gave me the opportunity to be a leader. It showed yes. me that I can be somebody y'all can depend on out here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's what I take from sports as a whole. It gives me an opportunity to link and connect mm-hmm. and be able to help to communicate with people. The first time I ever saw white people was when we was competing against them in sports. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like as kids, we didn't have a ton of uh, black kids. I mean, or different cultures, blacks and Mexicans. On yeah. the east side in Bakersfield in the 80s, you know right. what I mean? There wasn't a whole bunch of white white mm-hmm. kids in the neighborhood. So the first time you interacting with people from other cultures is because you're you're playing a sport. And yeah. now now it teaches you how to communicate with this other person from a different yeah. culture. Now right. you you realize that you get along a lot yeah. better with this person than you thought. That's a whole different color. You know, that was the opportunity for that. You know, right. but but ultimately the sports and what I take from it is just I can be the person you can depend on. That's why, like, I want to say 90% of my playing career, I was a team captain Mm -hmm. and a starter until Mm -hmm. I got to the next level because I wanted to show my coaches and my teammates I can be somebody you can depend on. Watch this. Right. Mm -hmm. I think, But I think it kind of, like, it wasn't just a talent thing, though. I think it's Mm -hmm. not everybody is a captain. Some of the most talented players, a lot of them are all about themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't really give a shit a lot of times. It takes a specific type of person. Like a Ray Lewis guy is not just a talent guy. Yeah, yeah. He's different. When you think of like a Drew Brees or a guy like... guys. I call them glue guys. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Glue. They're like the nucleus that gets it all going. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big deal. So I think it, what, what that did is, is it went beyond the football field. It, you Basically, what you took from it is you're not afraid to play a leadership role. Absolutely. You know, because that's who you are. Now... What I, I seen at first, my teammate, shout out to Josh Shirley, but he's yeah. one year one year older than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember after practice, I would be going home, and he, he would still be running sprints. Wow. He was still running drills. He would get the, the jug machine, yeah. balls coming out, doo, doo, and he's catching yeah. them. And I would see him do that, and being as I was a kid and I wasn't no hard worker like that, I'm like, what's he doing here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I seen that every day, and now that, you know, he's – 35 I assume because he's one year older than me and I'm mm-hmm. 34 so I see signs of him all over the fucking place wow. and it's like uh, I don't know if it's real estate or whatever it is mm-hmm. I see pics, like pictures of him says Josh Shirley all over the place nice yeah. so I'm sure that this guy was 
whatever he done on that football field, it went beyond it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ain't no way he's not the hardest working real estate. Guy exactly. Because I'm seeing I'm seeing pictures of him way out in Palmdale. Yeah. And my dad lives out there. Wow. So I'm seeing Josh Shirley out there. I'm seeing Josh Shirley all in, Del- in Delano and mm-hmm. all. I'm just like, man. So I I mean, I'm not shocked by it, but I see how things like that can go beyond the football field. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even with the, uh, I'm sitting here looking at your MTV shirt. You know, it's ironic because like I just told you, October 10th, 2008, I wrote a story that was written into the script of role models and MTV flew me to, to, to uh, Manhattan mm-hmm. for a weekend just to interview me about my story. And it was all just based on me having the courage to submit a story when everybody else probably looked at the ad and was like, I can't do that. Mm, you know wow. what I mean, and 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 just just having an opportunity to to be fearless in those moments, man. Yeah. I get the, I get that from sports. It's all hundred yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um, I always hear that phrase, "ball is life," and um, I think you know, as a younger kid or whatever, "ball is life" meant to me, you know, um, you got to eat, sleep, drink football you got to eat sleep drink basketball you got to wake up thinking about basketball you got to put in the hard work but now I think ball is life is it's, it's something bigger to me it means that you know you use those things that you learn between the lines and you know at practices and stuff and you and you apply those things to life so it's basically nice. the lessons you learn playing football basketball whatever are the things that you take to you know Further yourself in this in this right. journey we going through. Absolutely, because mm-hmm. it's, it's just tools in the mm-hmm. toolkit. You know, mm-hmm. that's what our co- that our coaches were teaching us life. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean, and hoping that some of it stick. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just basically what it is. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. you see your coach like a, you know practice will be early, and be like, oh man, and your coach is like, you have no fucking idea, do you? Yeah, like you have no idea how much tougher life is than football. Absolutely, and I, I think that I was able to utilize like from a football standpoint, you know. I feel that I was able to utilize the the tools from football and carry them into life because I feel like I'm doing pretty well in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, could all could always do much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm fully aware of that. I'm cognizant of you know what I need to do to continue to further this podcast and just every every other area of my life. But I was able to take utilize things from football and carry it over to what I'm doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, especially you kind of. It's different when you're on a winning team also. Like we all went to oh, Baker- yeah. we went to Bakersfield High. I know you got a Valley Championship, right? I, I lost in the championship. Oh, twice. Dang. Ouch. Yeah. But you still 28 and 2. Wow. Dang. Two fucking times. God damn. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you still know what it feels like to be on a winning team. Absolutely. You, I got two college championships. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, same. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you understand what the winning culture is. If you're ever around people and they have a certain um just a certain deal that ain't right. You know, like whoever I'm around, like this, this is a losing team I'm around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me start to, let me start to blend with other people who kind of look at things a little differently. Yeah. You look you, at your you, friends. Like, I like you, that. Yeah. Hold on one second. One well, no, second. Get it out. I, I, I got to get it out, man. Get it out. I got to get it out for my CTE kick in. <laughs> <But, no>. <laughs> <laughs> get it out. Get it out. I like where you're going. Yeah. The thing about it is like, the people you're around, like if you could look at your friends and everyone's doing something awesome, then you're a part of a winning team. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, on that same note, make sure the friends that are around you as you're developing that 
want to see you win. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's a lot of people that sit around situations. They want they want a part of the win. But they, some people want you under them. Oh, 100%. That's the, wor- that's the worst that I've yeah. seen as I elevate. Because right. I, I got people that I, I love and will run through a wall for right. that have biases against me and vendettas that I never knew existed mm-hmm. just because they wanted to be the person that was chosen mm-hmm. when it was all about team. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? And that's the that's the most heartbreaking thing as you advance in some of these levels as well. Yeah. And when you when you say that, it's because I'm a team guy, period. And I mean, as, right. a, as even as my my mission as a brand ambassador and owning my own company and, and being an agent and moving and building things to, with people, it's all about the common goals of uniting mm-hmm. people that have energy and positive energy. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's just it's sad when you see that that's not the case for some people that want to cling to things. Yeah. With different yeah. agendas. Yeah. 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 It, it, people like to be a part of something that's great and they know it's great, but they're not great themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So the issue with that is, is it's not going to work mm-hmm. just because you see something working for Kenny don't mean it's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. There's something else you're great at and you need to figure out what that is. That's a great point. You know, yeah. and, and shoot, because some of these, the roles I get, I didn't ask for, you know what I mean? Exactly. I just happened to be the person that knew how to get it done. And I had to step up and get it done, you know. And yeah. boy, you you be amazed, you know. As we talk about some of the other stuff I got going on, the kind of hate that exists when you start advancing to these levels, and people that want to sit in some of the seats, and you don't even know. You just you just happy to help, and people yeah. want want to sit in your seat, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know. So it's tough. New levels, new devils. New levels, new devils, boy. That's real. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think that's that's you know, that's a, a definitely a thing we got to watch out for especially you know where we're trying to go in life you know it's hard Absolutely. to find those those genuine people you know that just want to help you for the sake of helping you like i had a friend um i just went to this it was a screenwriting like meetup like a mixer for you know a bunch of screenwriters from um it was in la and you know i was talking to people there from boston and you know the east coast and the south and all kind of different places and we all just there just like you know talking about screenwriting and stuff but i got invited by my friend larry um shout out to larry he's one of my uh my classmates from college and um you know he's uh he's been helping me as far as like cuz i want to make a movie um next right. summer and i've been working on the script and you know he's been he's been helping me inspiring me like yo we need to get the script done like you know what's the plan have you been writing all this stuff you know um stuff selfless stuff you know what i mean that he doesn't like you have to do you can tell where he's trying to be a good teammate yeah exactly exactly so you know i'm you know just being you know taking it back to sports being able to see that being able to uh recognize that quality in a person outside of a athletic realm you know that's definitely a good thing man Absolutely. You know, and that's a, taking it back to the key point. That's another thing I learned about life in general is just being a good teammate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not about the guy who gets the score. I, you know how many times I intercepted a football and the ball went back to the offense and Steve Wofford scored on the next play. And the only play the news show was Steve, Steve Wofford scoring the touchdown. Yeah, yeah. And I used to be like, man, why didn't show my interception? Yeah, yeah. But then ultimately I'd be like, we won though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, 
it's about the team, man. Mm, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Some people want to be the coach, the MVP, mm-hmm. the, the the guy that uh, dunked it at the mm-hmm. buzzer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes it's just about being a team and, and winning as a unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think contributions have a lot more of a story behind them because you could be the guy that scored 70 touchdowns. But what about that that offensive lineman, that center that, that kept that, o- opening yes. all those goddamn holes mm-hmm. and nobody really noticed him. But then, you know, down the line, everybody's like, yeah, that guy used to bust his ass every day. Absolutely. There's more of a story behind that guy. So a lot of my, a lot of people might disagree, mm-hmm. but there are people that in pretty much in every sport that don't really get the. Absolutely. You know, like the Ben Wallaces of the world. They Absolutely. get a shitload of rebounds. <laughs> without, without Ben Wallace, they would have never beat the Lakers. Never. You know? Never. Even with, you know, and that's why I like, you know, defensive linemen. They they are usually the biggest checks on a football team when you yeah. start talking about NFL, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, kids and fans, they don't want the it, the D-tackle, the three nah, techniques yeah, uh, nah, autograph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they don't know that this guy – is the reason why y'all won 12 games mm-hmm. and why he has $90 million because mm-hmm. the, the organization mm-hmm. knows how important he is to the process. So he don't mm-hmm. care about all the, the glory. He's at the bank. Yeah. yeah. And that and that's <laughs> the point of attack, right? But that affects everybody on the field. Yeah, if you're yeah. a cornerback and, you know, you only got to guard somebody for three seconds Absolutely. before, you know, there's a pass rush or the, the the pocket is getting closed up. That make your life a whole lot easier. Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. might get that check, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that D lineman make you look a little better than what you, what yeah, you yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, well, you know what? This is kind of out of context, but for question for both of you guys, because you guys both play corner. Have you ever played with a really bad defensive line before? I have played, well... I'll say that going to Arkansas mm-hmm. and playing at OBU in Arkansas, which mm-hmm. where I played after I left San Jose State and mm-hmm. the coaches retired, mm-hmm. was the first time that I played on losing teams. We went right. four and six the the, the two years. Uh-huh. So you definitely can tell yeah. where you know it ain't all it ain't all about you. I always thought I was a good luck charm, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. I never lost more than one game in a season until right. I left California. Mm-hmm. And then in the, uh, your junior year, you lose six games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like, man, maybe well, it wasn't me. I didn't really frame the question great. Mm-hmm. What was the difference playing corner with the defensive line that wasn't as great as ones previously? Mm. For for me, I didn't. I don't know. I was just always focused on my own job. You know what I mean. So I wasn't on there critiquing what the linebacker mm-hmm. wasn't doing or was doing or what the lineman was doing or wasn't doing. Right. So you know, I, for me, it was just if I got a you know, run around the field and they not getting to the quarterback or whatever. Um, I just got to guard my guy for, you know, 10, 12 seconds or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. when it, when it does yeah. come to runs and stuff, you, you start to make more tackles than you should. And you start like, <laughs> now, like now, 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 now we got a problem. Yeah, my jersey getting <laughs> yeah. dirty. Ain't supposed yeah. to get dirty. <laughs> yeah. I remember in, in one of those Valley championship losses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We played Clovis West and they had that wing tee and the burgundy jerseys. Oh we couldn't God. find the ball. I had 19 tackles oh as a corner. God. It was my best game I played all year in a loss. Yeah. But I had 19 tackles. And at the end of the game, somebody was like, Kenny, you played your ass off, but you should never have 19 exactly. tackles. Exactly. Oh, Linebackers and D line stuck mm-hmm. it up. And that's what, I, that's what I was trying to get to when I asked yeah, that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but on that point, <laughs> right. the difference is yeah. when I when I had. My great defensive lines, I knew I could take extra chances. That's just basically uh, what it was. Like, I can peek, you know, because you ain't supposed to peek at certain times. Mm-hmm. If I know my guy is usually about to 
beat you off the edge and sack you or make you get it off, I can mm-hmm. peek a little earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those are the different new, like yeah, do, mm-hmm. different nuances. Sit on routes when you mm-hmm. know you blitzing, and you know, mm-hmm. things. Yeah, yeah, good deal. Get a pick six. <laughs> the guy running to the end zone with a clean jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh. Yeah. Lyman yeah. Lyman bleeding. Yeah. That's the that's the worst feeling though. I remember we played um we played we played Bullard. It was like semifinals uh for the for Valley. And that's that's what had the running back was getting off. And I was like, yo, like I'm I'm doing my job, yeah. you know. There's ten <laughs> other people out here like, stinking it up. Yeah, I'm like, damn. Yeah, but funny. that's the good, good and bad thing about football. It's like if right. I'm screwing up because that did um, allow like one pass that game. But if I was screwing up, you know, there's other people like you know your safety or your linebackers and stuff that could make up for your flaws, and then right. you know, vice versa. So yeah, you know. I think that 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 quicksand. Not I won't say quicksand, but that sinking feeling is the worst. Mm-hmm. You, you're you're giving it all you got, and it just, just nothing's it's working. Nothing, mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing's working. That's mm-hmm. not a good feeling. But mm-hmm. I mean, you learn from those things. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you learn the lesson of perseverance. Yeah, you, know, you, you learn that you know you. You guys as a unit can get better. You can get better. Yeah. You could contribute more. Maybe you thought you were doing better than you actually were. The mm-hmm. humbling, the humbling feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need that, man. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you sure. a better version of yourself, man. Yeah. hundred percent. Sometimes you get out there and you, uh, you, you start doing better than, you know, you thought and your coach probably thought too. Yeah. yeah. I remember we was playing, um, was playing Buchanan. Buchanan came in. They had the best passing team in the Valley. And Coach Gola, like, freaked our whole defense in order to, like, you know, stop the, I don't know, we was playing like a like the Tampa Bay defense or something, that's something we never practiced before. Yeah. And uh, I think he was just scared. But in reality, when I got out there, I was like, this is a bunch of white boys that run good routes. Like, <laughs> like I ain't scared of these, these dudes. You. Yeah, but. Yeah. So what was what was the, uh, the final? Uh, oh, that was good. But it, <laughs> it was real good. But it wasn't like the way he hyped it up. You know yeah. what I mean? Sometimes you watch the tape and you see on yeah. tape, it looked like the dudes running faster than they are in real yeah. life yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. But when I got out there, I was like, oh, this is this is all it was. Um, and we did lose that game, but it wasn't it. What we didn't have to change our whole offense to to compete with these guys because it was a it was a it was a uh, it was a shootout for sure. Um, but yeah, we, they we can't keep some they keep some guns up there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Well, switching gears. Um, I think that this is uh, we may have tackled this before, but people asking questions only not to take the advice. Mm-hmm. Woo. I, yeah, I think <laughs> I think that that that's a lack of self awareness. And mm-hmm. I'll I'll say this. I think that before you ask a question, you need to ask yourself this: Am I uh, objective enough? Am I self aware enough to be asking these questions? Because maybe the view of yourself might be a little skewed and mm-hmm. you're asking something that you're not even ready to hear yet. Yeah. Like, does this make me look fat? And then if you tell them, no, it doesn't, <laughs> but you're actually overweight. And they'll be like, well, what'd you, why would you say that? I'm mm-hmm. like, well, because you're fat. <laughs> yeah. But you wouldn't be asking this fucking question <laughs> if you were self-aware enough to know that maybe I am overweight. Yeah. But that's, that's just an example of the many things people do. And the dumb questions they ask you, mm-hmm. especially when they're not willing to take any advice. Yeah. Mm. You ask me for advice. And I feel like a lot of times if I'm not, a, I, I'm self-aware enough to know if you ask me for advice, 
and I don't feel like I'm credible enough to give it to you, I will send you in another direction. Mm-hmm. That's a smart man. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. If you ask me about being a DJ, I'll be like, well, you might want to ask a fucking DJ. <laughs> yeah, because I'll give you a really shitty playlist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you looking stupid. Mm-hmm. So that's just my thing. Well, you know, I worked in a music placement business for years. Right. You know, and, and I stepped away from managing artists for that very reason because, mm-hmm. you know, when you work in the situations that we get to work in, everybody wants a shot. Yeah. And I get a thousand emails. Kenny Cow, man, what what I need to do with my music? You know, I, I charge people for advice, but yeah. some people, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some honest advice. Okay, you're you're an artist, right? You're a musician. Where are you from? Okay, have you ever been at a music conference? Have you ever paid to be at a uh, place where you can perform your music in front of executives? All mm-hmm. right, I know a place. Here's the information. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Do you think you ever see these people? Nah. You never see them. You know what I mean? And, it, and like the next year, I see the same people. Oh, what's up, Kenny Cal? Man, you doing it, man? I, man, I, I meant to get back with you. You know, I got a, I got a song. I got an album. Now, mm-hmm. they wondering why I'm not returning their messages mm-hmm. or accepting your calls because yeah. I told you what you need to do. Yeah. I've seen it done a thousand times. They wonder why... Fruity Loop Booty Scoop The MC from <laughs> Texas <laughs> Sold a million copies Is because he listened to somebody's advice And followed the steps yeah. To put his product in front of somebody That can help him get investors yeah. and, and sell copies And perform in front of who he needed to do You talking about how wacky he is But I told you to do the same thing Fruity mm-hmm. Loop Scoopty Boop yeah. did, And you didn't do it yeah, I mean, here's a side note. <laughs> side, side note: If your name is Booty Scoop and you sell a million <laughs> fucking records, they out there, man. You must be good if your name is fucking Booty Scoops and you sell. <laughs> Boy, man, all these names, man. I don't know what to think about these cast yeah. names, man. That's funny, man. Right all these names. Some sometimes I'm turned off by the name. I don't even listen to yeah. that, that music, man. And that's that's wrong. I shouldn't do that. But I, I mean, I've, I've been honest with my kids. Like, what's his name? Oh, I ain't listening to that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 I'm the former artist, and I should be open minded and listen. I, but I just think know. the age starts creeping up on us. Yeah, I, it I is. think we 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 got a we got <laughs> we have like a, a niche, like a certain things that we we dive into. Or we'll, we're more open to look at it, but we have to cont- like we have to keep training ourselves. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be open minded, and that's yeah. why what's the funny part about me being a, a placement agent and giving people advice musically. Mm-hmm. I ask my kids because yeah. there's times where I, I had an artist named Young, Young Sam come to town one time. Yeah. I didn't have. I remember Young Sam. Yeah, I hadn't heard one song. Mm-hmm. And I asked my daughter. I was like, "You ever heard of Young Sam?" Yeah, that even with the rejects, they do the jerking and all. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Is it cool? They're like, yeah, daddy, I should get him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, you know. But if I was closed minded, I'd have been like, oh, I don't want no damn young Sam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and all my kids would have been like, Dad, you tripping, man? He's the hottest thing out right now. You don't know, you know. Yeah. But that's the, that's the thing as well. Speaking mm-hmm. of advice, yeah, some of us old cats need to learn how to soak up game from the younger generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've I've had cats that I've been around, just like the the CEO of our our plush vodka company. Mm-hmm. He's like thirty, th- early thirties. Right. Mm-hmm. These kids are multi millionaire in Philly, mm-hmm. making making boss decisions for the country. You know what I mean? And, and so anybody who feel like they can't accept advice has begin to die as a flower. Yes. That's the way. I, that's the way I look at it. You're much. a dying flower. 
Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I think it's pretty awesome what you did with your kids, too, because I think as parents, well, I don't have kids, but as parents, most parents get too caught up in the dictating mm-hmm. instead of listening. You, you can learn from pretty much anyone. <laughs> yeah. So you being humble enough to ask that question, it goes a long way. Absolutely. But what's, what's funny about that, me being transparent enough to ask my kids, that kind of information gives me this insight to where these companies are like, man, how you know that, man? Yeah, I'm like, oh, now you know, I got these people. Cats, you know, I meet mean, with. They tell me what's cool. Yeah, not knowing, I just met with my daughter. <laughs> you know, but but yeah. I keep an open mind because you know I, you want to continue to evolve with the times, and that's you know you guys are younger than me, but I, mm-hmm. I got to be honest with y'all. I was one of the first ten year old rappers in town in '86. Damn, you know what I mean? Opening up, opening up on stages. I opened up for Mary J. Blige in '92. Roger and Zap. You what? know, uh, so for real, like this was me as, as a high school mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. That was the 90s. Mm-hmm. Think about what I do now. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the few people who found a way to be relevant over three decades in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was performing, whether it was sports, whether it was placement agent, and now mm-hmm. I was with the vodka, whether yeah. giving back to the community because mm-hmm. I am an open box yeah I, I'm, my ears are open to know yeah. what i need to do to be yeah. part of the community right you know and that's just what it is yeah. that's cool man you yeah. can't stay in that kind of longevity without you know being a, a listening or taking advice and stuff like that absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. that's crazy i this idea came about um i was having a conversation with this guy and he needed some advice on uh one of his uh one of his short films and um in my mind like i Knowing certain people's personality, I'm very reluctant to give advice because I know a lot of people won't listen. So um, I gave him the advice. Like he showed me the thing and then uh, and he told me, he was like, yo, be honest with me. Because, you know, generally if, if, if you be like, yo, like be honest with me, yeah. that means you really, you know, trying to soak <laughs> this information up. Um, and I gave him the advice. And to me, objectively, it was great advice because um as far as like uh, you know, making films and stuff, I, I I know a little bit about it. You know what I mean, yeah. and I know enough That's to cool. you know steer someone in the right direction. And I gave him the advice, and he he basically had a counter argument for. Um, wow! And I it was basically that. just a specific scene that I was like, "Yo, I don't think you need this in here because it's 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 taking me out of the movie." Mm. And um, he basically you know kept the scene in there, and he gave he you know gave a counter argument, basically saying like. That's the purpose of it, and um, I was just like, okay, because basically it's a it's a dramatic, you know, a dramatic story or a short film. Gotcha. And then he just throws like a comedic scene in there, and I'm wow. like, yo, like you, it's not you a Marvel need, movie. Yeah, yeah, you don't need this, and yeah. it's too short to be, you know, trying to like. It's okay if it's two hours and you throw a little bit of funniness in there, but yeah. if it's five minutes and then you just, you know, try to throw some funny thing in there, it's like you're taking yourself out of the film. Um, gotcha. But I run into these kind of these kind of things all the time. And um, I just be wondering like, what's, what's going on with people? Is it, is it me? Is it the advice? Is it like, I don't know what it is, man. Well, I'll tell you this guys, because doing what I do now, I'm very selective on who I work with because Mm -hmm. of that, you know, like people see some of the things we've accomplished, you know, we've, we've been able to do some amazing things just from being part of people's process. Mm -hmm. Sadly, some of my <laughs> biggest haters are people I tried to give advice mm. to do exactly what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. However, 
they don't want the advice from you because they feel like they're above you. Mm-hmm. That's that's the saddest part about yeah. people not taking your advice. Really, it's just a lack of respect. Yeah. Oh yes. They don't that have res- they don't have enough respect for you. Yes. To trust your judgment. True. Very true. So so the but the the ha ha as I call it the last laugh is when okay. I'm going to use my own advice I just tried to give you to show you how right it is. There you go. And that's basically what my company does. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've taken, I've, I've worked for so many different large entities or, and small ones and helped people in so many different ways. I could probably help y'all better than I can help myself. Mm. Wow. Because I'm, 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 Definitely not perfect, yeah, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, I've made mistakes, and I'm recovering from some of those mistakes as a guy who didn't invest his money right as a person you thought you was going to be playing football forever, and mm-hmm. then you got to go back to work, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. So I can tell somebody else exactly what they need to do to get every dream that they want mm-hmm. because I've seen it. I've sat next to people who've lived their dreams already. I've, I've studied them. Yeah, you know, and I know how to. I, okay, I can tell you exactly what you need to do yeah. to get exactly where he is, mm-hmm. if you trust me. And that's what these companies do. That's why I'm able to wear this shirt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they trust my, they respect me, and they respect my judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, and they took my advice, and that's why the company's doing so well in California, and while we're expanding in San Diego. Awesome. You know, they're like, and we'll we'll touch on that stuff in a minute, but mm-hmm. it's 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 based on a respect factor. And the the point I want to make is the fact that if you have continued to try to give your advice to these people and they're not accepting it, they don't respect you. Therefore, they don't deserve your time. A hundred percent. You know what? I was just thinking about something. Doesn't it feel good to be taken seriously? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, because I think that I, I as podcasters me and keith could both relate when we first started this platform you're putting content out to the world for free mm-hmm. nobody hardly fucks with it yeah and then yeah. weeks go on and nothing happens and it just keeps going on mm-hmm. and on mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like week 35 you start seeing more listeners mm-hmm. and then week 37 you see even more then week 38 you see more it's like you gotta work fucking triple for people to take you seriously yeah. especially as minorities oh yeah mm-hmm. yep Mm-hmm. I wonder if somebody look at the podcast like, oh god, they're talking about this black shit again. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I mean, it, minorities could be, be, be several things. Mm-hmm. You know, it could right. be not not just about color. It could be uh, culturally as well. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it does feel good to be taken seriously when you mm-hmm. see those numbers skyrocket and go up. Yeah. I was talking to you the other day, and I think I told you we had over almost close to six thousand more listeners in twenty nineteen than twenty eight. That's crazy. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember the first conversation we had about you guys starting it. You know, and just, you know, how I wanted to make sure I got here and be able to sit and have this time with y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, I, you know, I look dope. up to you know, and that's the thing that I was just talking about. You guys are younger than me. Generations younger than me, but mm-hmm. I'm inspired by you and what you're doing based on the fact that you're being consistent towards your own goals. <laughs> and that's why I'm here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's inspiring, man. Yeah, we appreciate yeah, it, man. That's dope. Yeah, bring, bringing it back to that, uh, that um, taking criticism or taking uh, advice. I think for me, I always look at it as um, even if I feel like I know so much about anything, whether it's you know podcasting or making movies or whatever, I feel like you have to remove that 
um, that ego in order Absolutely. to be able to take advice. So Absolutely. sometimes, like, you know, I'll, uh, part of the screenwriting process and writing a movie is, like, you have to send it out to get people's advice. Yep. Or you have yep. to pitch it to people to, you know, to bounce it off of, uh, you know, different people to hear hear what they think about it. And um, so what, what I realized, you know, in my, in my uh, you know, times giving advice to other people and them not listening – I had to take it back. Like, am I doing this also? Like, if, if, mm-hmm. has anybody ever gave me advice that I was yeah. just like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Or, you know, I'm bigger than that. Or, you know, that's not a good idea. And I was like, no, nah, because, you know, I'd get advice or, you know, some notes about my script or whatever. And if I didn't have a legit answer mm-hmm. as far as this is here because, you know, it provides this for the story or this is here because structurally or thematically it means this, then um, I don't have any problem taking it out. Like mm. I speak to people all the time and they like, yo, this is here for no reason. Mm. And I'm like, you're right. Like, it, <laughs> you know, I either yeah. have to take it out or finagle it to where it has more to do with the story because I'm not, I'm not bigger than anybody's advice. No, absolutely. I mean? so. Man, constructive criticism is what creates greatness. Like yeah. if you're mm-hmm. able to accept that, like what made me a great player was not wanting to actually hear any negative criticism. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna I'm gonna take everything positive that you have to say and mm-hmm. ingest it so the next time I'll execute. Yeah. Yep. It's getting yelled at coach by Coach Judy. Ain't no yeah, joke. boy, I'm telling you, get your ass on the right now. What do you think, your fingers? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Twenty six hammer. <laughs> man, I work. With, I work side by side. That man changed my life. That was, that was one of my favorite things to do uh, was imitate yeah. him in camp. Oh man, Judy <laughs> is comedy. That was man. hilarious. Is I, I've ever seen those practices with, with, with Mercy. God oh. damn it! Oh yeah, oh yeah! <laughs> God damn, Mastin! <laughs> because you're fucking all American, you can just walk around. Get your ass off my field. That's funny. I think like uh, as much as you know, the outside people are people that didn't their careers didn't go like they wanted to. Um, those are the people that tend to bash Coach Shooty. Yeah, like yeah, if absolutely. You're, if you're a DB and you was with him every day in a in the locker room, or you know, you watch him film with him every single day, you realize like there's a method to yeah, there's a method to his madness, mm-hmm. man. Like, and I was a guy, you know, like I told y'all when I was high school and college, I was a performer as well. So in the spring, I wasn't going to spring ball because I'm on tour, I'm yeah. on stage. Oh yeah. shit! And that's when coach will be like, Kenny, you're one of the best players in the state, but you're not fucking working. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, coach, you know. I'm more than just a football player. You know what I mean? And I know you're right. And not, so I can't argue with mm-hmm. you. So I got to go to summer school and take 18 units just to get out of here. Oh, God. Damn. You know what I mean? He was right. Mm-hmm. And now still to this day, I'm in a position where I have to have six to seven things going yeah. to, to make sure I'm okay because I didn't listen to everything that Coach Judy said. Mm. You know, and that's what, that's why I, that's why I got seven jobs instead of just one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because if I had listened to him like he told me to go to school, pass all my classes on time, I might be the boss of my boss right now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Dang. Man, that's a that's a different way of looking at it. <laughs> but that's the, that's the accountability that's yeah. gonna make you great. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Being able to recognize that yeah, is good. Steve so, Harvey, was he have like fifteen jobs or some shit? Yeah, yeah so <laughs> he got fired from some too. Yeah, he probably was like, "Oh, y'all gonna fire me, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I'm gonna sell these suits. I tell you that. Well, welcome to family. <laughs> welcome to Family Feud. <laughs> 
Oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's great, though. I think you give yourself more opportunities to succeed the more places you put yourself in. So having seven yeah. jobs is really just basically you putting yourself in more spaces. Mm-hmm. So if three of them don't work out, fuck it. I got the rest. Well, mm-hmm. the, the, the way I look at it, too, is when you're doing what you love, you know, what is work? You know, exactly. And exactly. You know, but it, it, it sounds cliche. A lot of mm-hmm. people say that's it. True. You know, but not a lot of people get to do what they love to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm... I'm, I'm that, and that's why it goes back to where I told y'all, think about this, man. I'm a kid from Bessie Owens Elementary School. <laughs> you know what I mean? I grew up on the east side, raised on the west side after yeah. my grandma died. I have to move with my auntie. Mm-hmm. You know, ninth and end after after living on the east side my whole life. Mm-hmm. So I, the town is the town is my pocket. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm, I'm connected to everybody, mm-hmm. you know, on, on both sides of the map. So, so. I had to make sure I I showed everybody else I wasn't gonna waste their time, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because there's a lot of other people that invested their time in me, my teammates, my my homeboys, and and coaches. Mm-hmm. You know that that picked me up for zero period and drove mm-hmm. me to school when no when we had no rides. You yeah. know what I mean? Those are the people that you got to continue to make sure you didn't waste eight efforts exactly right yeah mm-hmm. you know i think that those and especially from those days that you if you remembered kenny from back then little kenny and then they see you now <laughs> i think there's a lot of respect there and i think that's how you also uh those relationships stay strong absolutely they, they see how they see they've seen you along your journey absolutely the, the years of 90 1990 between 90 and 94 i was one of the worst people you ever wanted to see because i was carrying so much pain mm. you know what i mean imagine a kid being homeless mm-hmm. you stand with your auntie she the neighborhood drug dealer you oh, know what i mean yeah. she get locked up you got to go live with your cousin mm-hmm. you know what i mean people from your old neighborhood shooting up your block because you live on the west side now you oh, used to live on the yeah. east side mm-hmm. they shooting up the block don't even know you live on the block now mm-hmm. you know but like this these but I'm, i said that to say this that's when, when i had to start picking up pistol only if people in the podcast world if you go research whatever been to jail for it was mm-hmm. a pistol charge Mm-hmm. And Damn. it was because I came home from San Jose State the mm-hmm. same week. My block had got shot up. And they mm-hmm. said, Ken, you better get your pistol. They coming through there popping. I lived on T Street at the time. I oh, bought a pistol. Yeah. I got caught with the pistol the same day. Oh, my God. Three hours later. Damn. What? At the Rock and Rodeo. That was God telling me, Kenny, you don't need no pistols. Mm-hmm. And that's why I had to end up going to OBU in Arkansas, one of the smallest schools in the middle of nowhere, because the judge was a renegade. And he oh. said, Kenny Calvin, I seen you play. I know how good you are. So I tell you what, you're gonna go up to Coach Judy's office, he's gonna give you this letter that we already talked about, and it's a school you never heard of, and that's where you're going. Or you're gonna go do a year. Oh Damn. my God. All right, all right, uh OBU, you, you said it was, right? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> all right, well, I get to wear my number twenty three still. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I had never even been there. But yeah. I said that to say this. It's people that'll run through a brick wall for me just to make sure I stay on the right path because wow. they know the menace I used to be when I was an angry kid. And that's why I pour so much love into the community now wow, because man. I was such a poisoned kid mm-hmm. from carrying around all the negativity and the negative energy. And so when I was out there bad like that, you know, I had people that I was doing dirt with that see who I am now as a man and they don't never want to even imagine me going backwards so yeah. they'll do the work 
Instead yeah. of me, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, not saying that I'll, I'll have to put anybody's hands on anybody's yeah. hands, right? But I don't have to raise my hands no more because it's people that care about what we do and who right. we are, and right. they don't want to see us go backwards. Hundred percent. I'm just saying, man. That's that's a really captivating little story you had there, man. Yeah, we got some stories, man. I'm telling you, that's insane. Yeah. Yes, it is. That happens to a lot of athletes, you know. You. Even uh, I was talking to um, Braxton Huggins. You know Braxton? Yeah, that's my yeah. little cuddy. Okay, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, yeah that, he related to everybody, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Braxton Huggins, his mom, his mom, Crystal Gordon, mm-hmm. is my my first cousin. So oh, I just dang. told I just told you I was raised by my aunt, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. My aunt Beverly, rest in peace, is the mother of Solanda Gordon, who's the older sister of Crystal Gordon. Oh, okay. Who's Braxton? All connected. Mom. Yeah. yeah. Damn, oh, that's wow. crazy. But I was talking to him because we went to uh, college together. Nice. And um, we we he was just telling me a story. You know, he 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 leaves. You know, the heart of the East Side and going up to New Mexico State. Everything yeah. good. You know, scholarship. You getting shoes and all this stuff. And then as soon as the oh no, break- you talking about Brax? No, you talking about my boy Catherine Huggins' little brother. Grew up on, by the Atlantic Circle. I was thinking about a different Braxton. Yeah, that's okay. my, yeah, that ain't my cousin, but that's uh, my folks. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Go ahead. But yeah, so we, we both went to New Mexico State, you know, and he up there, he on scholarship and, you know, getting a lot of playing time and, you know, they go into the tournament and stuff. And then uh, during the break, after all that's over in the summertime and stuff, you got to come right back home. Yeah. So all that turmoil and stuff you left behind and uh, you're know, you living you. the life. And then, yeah, you come back home and it's, ain't nothing changed. You know? Yep. Yep. Yeah, what's, so. what's funny, I, I confused Braxton Huggins with uh, with uh, Robert Huggins' son. But mm. I grew up on the east side, too, mm-hmm. right with Braxton's sister, Catherine Huggins, mm-hmm. and his older brother, uh, Brian Huggins. Mm-hmm. We all we all grew up playing in the Atlantic Circle. So to, mm-hmm. see, his, to see his development... Is the kind of things that I worry about when those when you guys come back home to visit. Yeah, just like what you said, because I'm like, man, just hurry up and get out of here, man. Yeah, you know what I mean, you still got stuff to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah I don't, don't even like him being out here. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud to be. Mm-hmm. I actually, uh, speaking of the several roles I have, I've, I've worked with the NBA mm-hmm. and the NBL and mm-hmm. the uh, North American Premier Basketball mm-hmm. League, and I actually submitted Braxton's info. To some of the league owners, in case okay. he wasn't drafted last year, so he may em- end up on one of those NBL teams. Yeah, he can play, man. I think uh, he, I think he's in, um, he's in the Euro League now. Yeah, but it's just a matter of time. He's still young. Oh you know yeah, he, I mean? man, that boy got game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So he'll be all right. That's a trip, man. Yeah, I was thinking Bryson Huggins. That's what I was. Thinking. It's a lot of them, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's a lot. How many is it? What like eight? Yeah, I think he had nine, nine siblings or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and then, then it's a different set of Huggins too. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know that uh, Robert Huggins. Used it's to yeah, 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 mm-hmm. it's, yeah. It's some historically big black families in Baker. One of them is the Davises. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Davis boys. <laughs> boys man. Shout out to the Davis clan. Yeah, they are guys. Yeah, yeah. In, in the Huggins and uh, it's, a, it's a couple other ones too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, the probably most infamous. Big family is the Davises. Yeah, the Davises yeah. probably got the town locked down. Yeah, on that, yeah, 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 yeah. Per capita. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you get in the fight with one of them, you got half the city whooping your ass. <laughs> hey, they, they daddy is a legend too, though. Yeah, you know, I'm proud. I'm proud. West. Those are the people that, mm-hmm. when I was a kid, before my grandma passed, Wesley Davis on the road would be the kind of cats that give us the dollars and buying us the hot dogs. And yeah. you know, I remember when, you know, Tough, tough, tough memory that I'm glad to see them bounce back from. But shoot, 
one of the biggest raids in California history. Yeah, you know, it was when they when they was taking down him and him and Big Al. Yeah, uh, over there on Cottonwood, man, yeah. thirty million dollars. You know, yeah, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm from the town, man. I can tell uh, you some stories. We, um, the we 80s, were, man. We were working on, uh, we met him a couple times. I don't know what happened. It, it kind of fizzled out, but hopefully we could get it picked back up soon. But we met with him a couple times and he wanted us to do like a little biopic yeah, yeah. movie for him. Man, all that American gangster and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That Like when I was a kid growing up in, on the road in yeah. the 80s, Bakersfield in the 80s was like Harlem. The, I heard. Yeah, I heard. Um, I heard that. What's that park across the street from uh, Emerson? Sixth Street Park. Sixth yeah, Street. I heard that park used to be packed. The Sixth Street. This is the thing. Like back back in the eighties, the town was one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you know, the black community was one. So on Sundays, you go to Sixth Street. You know, on, on every day of the week, you at California Park because that's where all the black people play basketball. Yeah. You know Some what I mean? Big, we all play. Yeah. You know. That's dope. You, you you basically grew up. In the black community, it wasn't no Southwest. It wasn't mm-hmm. no, you know, we all stayed, either you stayed right on the east side, right on the west side, across mm-hmm. the Union, or in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some big games over there at the California Park. Man, man. Big, big Mercy, Mercy Hospital Rockets, baby. <laughs> Coast Lodge, man. Coast Lodge. What? Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, I lived in the park. When I was homeless, I used to sleep in the baseball field. Come on, man. <sighs> telling you. Yeah, That's some crazy. humble beginnings, man. That, that's another mm-hmm. thing you never know where somebody came from. Yeah, like you, you look at like, uh, and it's 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 some awesome people that have really extremely humble beginnings. Jay Leno slept in his car. Mm-hmm. Tyler Perry was homeless sleeping in his car. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiffany Haddish mm-hmm. was yeah. homeless sleeping in her car. Joe mm-hmm. Coy was homeless. Yeah. It goes on and on. Uh, Kevin Hart was almost getting thrown out of his apartment, mm-hmm. and then these people just turned just become great. Yeah, because they just don't give up. They got yeah. that resilience, man. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the key to, key to life, man. I call it hitting the reset button, man. Every day I wake up, it's like a, like I just came back from a time machine. Like right. I just jumped out a time machine, and it's my chance. Another man. opportunity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when you kind of, I'm not saying every person, but I think some of the people you're the closest with a lot of times, they've been through some shit. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, whether it was homelessness or, you know, they had parents that was, you know, addicted to something it, it, or whatever the case they came from some type of turmoil yeah so you kind of have that bond over like you know you've persevered and you've kind of had parallel lives almost you know what else I've, I've learned too from from my teammates you know i got i got teammates that i thought had the greatest lives yeah. right and they let you know like man Kim, yeah. my life was kind of sucky too you know yeah. my mom wasn't cool she used to hit me with this and i'm like yeah what? for real yeah. You know, like man, I thought y'all was cool. Yeah. And like and friends that I thought was rich. Like growing up in the hood, if your mama and daddy worked, you was rich. Yeah. Like right. to us yeah. back in the days. Yeah. And now like we get we grow up and we like, damn man, you were struggling too. We thought you had we thought you had everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people just have a house. Yeah. And then, you know, the you know they whatever however it works out they put all the money into the house and then everything else yeah they just mm-hmm. kind of trickle down the yeah. money everywhere I remember, else. I remember days you know when you you you're a kid and you're embarrassed to go in the store you got food stamps yeah, and, yeah. you know what I'm saying back in the day they had the books of food stamps yeah, yeah. we was talking about the little games you used to run you go in one store buy something for a quarter and go to the store man I, I was I'm from the pop bottle generation man mm-hmm. we used to get the pop bottles and take them for ten cent <laughs> damn <laughs> that's wait. how old I am damn. Damn. Yeah, I'm forty. I'm forty three. So, so yeah, yeah, you got me by ten. Well, no, nine years. But 
Pop what soda yeah, bottles? Back in the days, your, your sodas came in the bottle, and you take them back and redeem them for ten cent at the store. At mm. the store, yeah. yeah. God damn. Yeah, damn. that shit was strong enough to start a car too. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm I am old enough to remember when gas was on uh, like seventy eight, like eighty nine cent a gallon. Man, man that's, that was in the nineties. Eighty nine, yeah, eighty nine cents. Some mm-hmm. seventy, some cent a gallon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. shit is like, how much is that shit now, man? It's yeah, pushing four dollars. Yeah, I remember when it got up to almost five dollars back in two thousand and seven. Yeah, it was about about ten, twelve years. Ago. George Bush was in there, huh? Yeah, he's he was like running up them gas prices. He's like, <laughs> he's like, y'all gonna pay for some gas? <laughs> man, they got us. They got us where they want us, man. Yeah. Oh man, to start walking around this month soon. Oh no, that ain't happening. <laughs> That shit could go high. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not gonna get a skateboard. <laughs> Got to get to work. All right. Well, um, you really. We've had a lot of conversations, but not a whole lot about you. Tell us a little bit about from your beginnings all the way up to now. Well, I mean, in a nutshell, you know, I'm a Bakersfield boy, born and raised, Kern Medical Center. Mm. You know, Bessie Owens Elementary until you know I uh, bounced around. You know, my mom. My mom lost custody of me. Uh, custody of me when I was seven. Mm-hmm. You know, and no, no fault of her own. Just picking the wrong guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. And I ended up with my grandma. You know, classic black family mm-hmm. struggle, mm-hmm. as you know. So many yeah. of us raised by our grandparents, and uh, you know, uh, through athletics, you know, able to find purpose. You know, and really, you know, I played at went to Compton Junior High. Uh, until my grandma passed away, and then I had to move across town. End up going to Emerson in the eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, first first four weeks, every Friday I got in a fight. Went four and zero, and they sent me back. They sent me back to uh, they sent me back to Compton. Yeah. Uh, played played basketball at Compton. Won a state championship there with J.R. Henderson, and you know, and cats like that. You know, mm-hmm. we we we. Pedigree athletes, you know, from from Bakersfield. We yeah. use, we used the game to change our lives. That's dope, you know. But but I was also a young artist and MC. I was part of a, a group called Mad Men. We were the first, one of the first hip hop groups when hip hop wasn't the 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 status quo. Back mm-hmm. when everybody wanted to hear gangster shit, we was the only hip hop mm-hmm. artist in the area, you know. And I was the youngest person in the group, so That's you know, dope. being being a performer, I was never scared of the stage, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just just kept kept myself active. You know, and I always, I always said, uh, you know, one thing about Bakersfield cast, we we always hear how much better everybody else is from where they at. Right. So we're gonna show you what time it is when we meet. You right. know what I mean? And that's just the mentality that I take into everything I do. You know, as, as, as a as a Bakersfield mm-hmm. high guy on the football field, and you mm-hmm. know, transitioning to Bakersfield College and going on to play in Arkansas mm-hmm. before. Uh, you know, in in my career in Arizona and coming back to coach college football at Bakersfield College. Now working sports media after retiring from uh, coaching football. Mm-hmm. Also on my own sports music and film company <coughs> called Unify. Mm-hmm. It's more of a uh, branding and placement company where we assist larger companies with attaching the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, keep keeping the buzz alive. I did artist management, you know, all over the country. Play some of the biggest bands in the business: Rick Ross, fifteen hundred or nothing. You know, Robin Thicke. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've uh, we've achieved some amazing things, man. Usually, when people ask me 
what do I do for a living? I ask them how much time you got. Yeah, you, know, you, you know, it's, it's definitely, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're evolving, you know, mm-hmm. we continue to evolve with the times. And that's one of the reasons why I talk to y'all about just being relevant for so long. You know, you have to be able to adapt and evolve and know, right. what, you know, know what's current to be able mm-hmm. to, to, to get things done, you know, and, you know, as we transition, you know, I'm, I'm, Currently working at Plush Vodka as a territory sales exec for one of the newest vodka companies in the country. Uh, number two man in charge of everything west of the Mississippi, under one of the third owners. Mm-hmm. And uh, just just a beautiful experience to continue to find ways to stretch our comfort zone, mm-hmm. defy stereotypes, mm-hmm. and uh, lead by example when people don't believe in us because they probably don't believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 Really just continue to try to inspire the best way I can. Every day I wake up and hit that reset button, man. Mm-hmm. 100%. And that's me man. in a nutshell, man. That's I got married. Sense. I got my my daughter, my, my sons. I got two Army sons. My oldest son, Davion, he's a communication specialist. He's in Fort Hood. My awesome. son, Kamani, he's a driller graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in Cameroon, Africa right now. Just wow. talk to him. He's a military policeman. Damn. Um. You know, my daughter, she's a uh, freshman driller. Got custody of my brothers and sisters. I'm a foster parent. Wow. Um, you know, I, I work in social services as well. Um, you know, currently uh, for uh, a group home company where I'm an administrator for a girls' youth home, working with victims of child sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, di- different, uh, you know, every, every day, uh, you know, being who I am is, is draining at times because yeah. – you often have people looking to you for energy and inspiration when there is none. And, you know, and I have to find a way to pull it out myself. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I take pride in, you know. And that's why, you know, you call me and ask me, hey, man, you know, can we get some time and sit down? Yeah. Hey, life is short, man. I, I, I would love to come and breathe on the mic and, <laughs> you know, and share and share the experience about, you know, who we are, where we come from and what we're capable of, you yeah, know. 100%. That's basically so I make sure I try to give you a call in the very beginning of the week. Because I can't call you at the end like, hey, man, <laughs> hey, I was wondering if you want to come on. And- yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Could you talk more about that? Uh, you said you your story made it in role models. Yeah, yeah. So that? so like I tell you, um, when I retired from uh, football, you know, I jumped in the coaching carousel and I ended up getting a call from Coach Chudy mm-hmm. the first year that he uh, got the head job. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to move back home because I knew I was going to eventually need to get custody of my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And so I get a job working for Kern Bridges Youth Homes, mm-hmm. and which, you know, is boys group home. And my quarterback, Rob Carter, you know, is one of my driller brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, we played for Lodge and Mercy Hospital He's mm-hmm. from the town. And mm-hmm. he was home before me. He was like, yeah, man, I work for this group home company, man. It's got some amazing kids out here, but they need people like you. So, you know, I take the job and... <laughs> Go out there and I'm working and it's some of the funniest days of my life was working with these group on kids and, yeah. you know, and seeing some of the stuff that these little young grown men and little mm-hmm. boys bodies is doing. And yeah. one day uh, I was so pissed off at work after one of my little boys got in trouble. I went home. I was like, man, I need to find something else to do because I can't work in these group homes forever. And I yeah. turned my computer on. I saw a casting call. Do you have funny stories working with kids? <laughs> B- boy, do I. Yeah. Boy, I sent a, I sent a, uh, like a 45-word paragraph to, to that casting call for mm-hmm. Viacom. Mm-hmm. On Friday night after I got off work, mm-hmm. 
on Monday, I had an email from MTV Viacom. Uh -huh. Hey, this this is Amy Goldberg from This Movie Is Me. Mm -hmm. We're uh, bringing in people that have actually worked with kids to help us finish this movie because we have a great script, but we need real people that have worked with kids so we can finish this story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay, all right, you serious? So, yeah. you know, can you send us more information on the story? So I end up like, embellish the story a little bit, change mm -hmm. the names to protect the innocent for confidentiality. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and yeah. long story short, they they accepted my story and, and writ, wrote, wrote, I said writ, wrote uh, <laughs> scenes, finished scenes based on some of the real stories that I gave them from my actual days at work. Right. And so when you see the movie Role Models with Paul Rudd and Sean, yeah. Sean William Scott and Lil Bobby, yeah. it's based on what I do every day working with boys or when I did 20 or 15 years ago when I was uh -huh. working at that company. Mm -hmm. Being a one-on-one -on -one counselor for these little boys, oh, and like wow. some of the funny shit that I would see, yeah. <laughs> you know, while I'm at work, you know, and, yeah. and you know, I sent in a story about a kid. Uh, he had stole some cigarettes, and we was looking for him. We couldn't find him. We go outside, we find him under the van. The van had an oil leak. He was laying in oil. We didn't know he. <laughs> we didn't know he stole the cigarettes. <laughs> so he go in the bathroom. He tried to strike the cigarette. And oh, light is and it, and it caught on fire and mm. it blew up like a little mushroom cloud and he came out the bathroom with his hair all fucked up and, and, and the face all burnt and his t shirt with a hole in it. That was the story I sent to MTV and they wrote they didn't use that story, but they used like one of my camping stories mm. and some other stuff to finish the script. Oh my god. So that was that was uh October tenth, two thousand eight, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Eleven years ago, man, I got my first Screenwriting credits. That's, That's dope. awesome. So but, as far as the, uh, what is your company called? Unify? Unify, Universal yeah. Network, International Family of Youth. And it was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a company started by me and two of my buddies. You know, it was just, uh, one of my buddies is an Indian guy, Pardeep. Uh, my other brother, Jason Jackson, younger brother, was, uh, he was a neighbor to my best friend, Stan Mosley, rest in peace. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> we were sitting there and it was like, man, Community's getting bad, man. We got to figure out what we going to do, man. We need to start something. Mm -hmm. And my boy Pardeep, he Indian. He's Sikh Indian. He was like, man, we should we should start something uniting the community. Just call it uniting or something. Like, yeah. Unify the community. I was like, there you go right there. Unify. Mm -hmm. Now, then we tried to use Unify, but there's another Unify company. Mm -hmm. oh. So we couldn't use Unify as the official company. So we were like, well, we got to make up an acronym. We came up with the acronym. Universal Network International Family of Youth And what really Started was Was you know We were gonna Use it as an event company You know And uh, give artists Local artists An opportunity to attach To realistic performance Opportunities Because there's so many Fake promoters out here mm -hmm. Talking like They're gonna give you Opportunity to get somewhere And really they're just Leading you Into the wrong direction mm -hmm. And um, You know We started in brand placement You know Because I'm a performer as well But I can't continue to go tour so but i still get these calls to open up places so i was seeing artists in my place and, that's awesome you know that's what it started as in the first year but now yeah. we, you know we transition into more uh community oriented stuff we got uh backpack drives where we give away a few hundred backpacks a year mm -hmm. uh do like the cleat drives that we do we give cleats back to kids all over the country mm -hmm. um but ultimately now we've transitioned into branding because really Without even uh, making it complicated, we can take 
anything that you sell and make it look better and access the the demographic of people through our athletic contacts, through our music contacts, sports contacts, social community contacts, because we're social workers, mm-hmm. and, and attack, attach your product to customers. That's basically what our what our company does. I don't care, I don't care if you sell light bulbs. I'm gonna find you some houses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and and, and really just just taking that and evolving, and that's why it's called Unify. Is basically a network of people coming together with collective ideas to to build bridges. That's dope. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Brand awareness. So uh, initially, you were leveraging the relationships you had to continue to expand. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Building smart. bridges, man. You know, because I mean, and that's where people are so selfish. Like, and I've had some selfish partners back right. in the days. Like, they they have great platforms, great ideas, but they just selfish. They want it all to themselves. <laughs> you know, the kind of people to eat like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but right. ultimately, what people don't understand is that if you have a great idea, there's somebody that can help you expand that great idea. Right. You know what I mean? And the, the more people, the more like minds that you surround yourself with. You know, the bit, the bigger and better the idea becomes. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and that's just basically what our company does. We take we take ideas and and shine a light on them. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and I think that um, doing things as a collaborative in your, especially, just try to make it relative. Like here in this city, I'm not making an assumption that just because you know we have a platform, somebody else does that we need to work together. Mm-hmm. But all I'm saying is if if someone has a platform and you're both you know ascending or doing fairly well and yeah. you could put eyes on what they're doing. They could put eyes on what you're doing and you're purposely not trying to work with people. Like you've, you've created a, you've created a ceiling for yourself. Yeah. You've isolated yourself. Yeah. And yeah. it's, that's not good. Yeah. And then all of a sudden what's going to happen is, is once you see somebody either surpassing what you're doing and then you be like, Hey, actually we should work together. And it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, you actually had a chance. Absolutely. You know? I deal with that on a daily basis, man. <laughs> You know, so many people that I tried to help or partner with or, yeah. you know, just be there and support them because I knew they had a great idea. Right. They, they for, for whatever reason, they just weren't team guys. And that's where it goes back to the sports mm-hmm. aspect and what we talked about. You know, either you're a team guy or you're not. It's not hard to it's not hard to identify who's not a team guy. You know, you can figure that out very easy. And a lot of those people don't succeed because, yeah. you know, whether you believe it or not, you can't do it alone. Hell no. These, these I've worked in the highest levels of music. People see people like Kendrick Lamar and Nip, all these got T.I. And they think that they did it alone. Yeah, yeah, Nip say self-made. He did. But he didn't do it himself. He had his brother. Yeah. He, had, he, had, he had community support. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then people that are around you. Are gonna be the ones that catapult you to your success. True. You know what I mean? But but if you're the kind of person that's just trying to step on people's heads to get where you're going it's instead of work. helping pull people up, you're just gonna end up empty, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna work long term. Yeah. Even, you know, I think about even an individual sport is like boxing or tennis, it's still a team sport. Because you Absolutely. got a trainer or a yeah. coach or a cut man yeah. or whatever. You know, even people in the camp sparring with you and stuff, all those guys are basically yeah. your teammates. Absolutely. Key contributors. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can't do shit like that on your own. Mm-hmm. If you went to, if you try to train yourself, you're going to get your ass whooped. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it don't work like that. The only people that really think that it works like that are people who've never been around it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's like, 
Man, I'm, you talk about movies. Like I'm a sound, I'm a soundtrack director for for a few films. You know I'll what I mean? Start. That haven't even came out yet. Mm-hmm. Like we have extreme access, man. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm just lucky to get the phone call to be part of somebody's process at times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's people that get jealous of those opportunities and go recluse even more mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, he's he got another opportunity. <laughs> Watch this. I'm going to show him even more. And he's going yeah. go and isolate themselves even more. Yeah. And, and whatever whatever floats your boat, buddy. Yeah. But this is what I do. I'm a team guy. I, yeah. I can't do it by myself. Like mm-hmm. Even my home. Like, my, my, shoot, my wife, she carries a lot of the weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and travels with me. And Like, when I'm going to broadcast, I'm, I don't – do all the driving like I got people that support me and help put me in these positions. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is, man. Either you yeah. get it or, or forget it. You got it's, it's you have to keep that humility about yourself. Yeah. Like um, I was looking at uh, we were listening to a Byron Allen, uh, mm-hmm. Byron oh, Allen yeah. interview the other day. Mm-hmm. And this guy purchased the Weather Channel. Right. Yeah. And this That's a humongous purchase. Right. Yes. But he went on the Breakfast Club and he's like, man, I appreciate you guys having me here, man. Thank you so much. You would think somebody that has reached the apex in their life would be yeah. like, yeah, I'm here. What's up? Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know? But he was extremely humble for that experience. I think as long as you keep that, mm-hmm. then that's going to be like that's going to be an instrumental tool that you can use. And people can see how gracious you are to be in those spaces. Absolutely. You're going to get more opportunities from being that way. Man, I'm telling you. You know, I'm telling you. You don't want to be, and this is no slight to Floyd Mayweather, but you cannot do that shit out in the, in the world. Oh, no. And he's, he's, it's all part of his show. Right. You know what I mean? That's all, that's all for TV and lights. He knows what it means to be a team guy. He oh, can yeah. do it alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, he sure no. as hell didn't. His dad was out here recently, actually. Yeah, for the Mike's fight, right? Yeah, yeah for Mike's was, was you up there? Uh, no, I had a broadcast. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Because mm-hmm. it was, a, yeah, it was a lot of people showed. It was a, it was a lot of people showed. Yeah, I mean, speaking of another mentor, Mike Dallas Senior was one of my. Oh mentors, yeah, you know, yeah. California Park, great to, guy. To boxing, like I told you, I played eight sports. Boxing was one of them. Oh, you know, wow. like shoot, boxing, karate, wrestling, mm-hmm. swimming, basketball. Whatever, whatever he threw out there, he was did, at it. He did karate too. Yeah, damn, that's good stuff. It's the real Bruce Leroy, <laughs> man. Man, it, man, find me one black man born in the seventies that didn't grow up on karate movies on Saturday. Yeah, man, that's we, real. man, what, mm-hmm. man, man, martial arts was huge in the black community mm-hmm. and influence in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. yeah. Bruce My great grandma always used to watch the bad ones though. The oh, ones yeah, with the yeah. Mouth yeah, yeah, the mouth yeah. move. Oh, what? Man, every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no cartoons on. That's what yeah. we own. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you think that was good? Check out my technique. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, all that shit. Wu Tang. <laughs> all that. Yeah, Wu Tang was the jam. I was probably one of the only dudes on the West Coast that was fucking with Wu Tang because Back then, well, like, but that's where I was telling. Like for my group, we were the cats that, like, when Wu Tang came out, yeah. like that's our shit. Mm-hmm. Like uh-huh. our DJs, like I grew up under the DJs, Mister Chalk, mm-hmm. who's uh, from Arvin, but DJ at Power One Hundred Six, one of the biggest DJs in LA history under Man. the Baker Boys. Okay, oh, okay. Uh, C minus Chris, mm-hmm. uh, basically Corn's DJ, but from Bakersfield. Those mm-hmm. were my DJs when we mm-hmm. were. Or basically MCs in high school and they broke the first Wu-Tang records on the West Coast. Shit. We was rapping on Wu-Tang instrumentals before the albums came out. Damn. Oh, damn. That's how that's how embedded into the culture of hip-hop we were in the in the mid-90s. 
It's crazy, mm-hmm. man. And, you know, this is why I don't get some people. Like, I take a lot of pride in being from Bakersfield. If yeah. you could spring something from here and bring attention to this city, that's that's great. Like, you think mm-hmm. about Corn or mm-hmm. Derek Carr or yeah. David Carr mm-hmm. or all these different – or Joey Porter. Peasy. All these – all these different guys that have made it to the apex in their career that are from here and they could reference back where they're from. Mm-hmm. That's me. Like if, if a guy like Kanye could shout out the South side of the South side of Chicago where people dying all the time, yeah. mm-hmm. then I could shout out my city. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Nice. So mm-hmm. that's why you hear a lot of people like, Oh man, Bakersfield ain't shit, man. These people still ain't. And I'm just like, bro, that's your product of your own Thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I'm from Bakersfield and I'm the shit. There you go. <laughs> and that's like, like, and that's what I, I tell people. What, what y'all want to do? Resume wars? Let's let's mm-hmm. line it up. What have you done? I'll show you exactly what I've done. And then where you from? Right. Oh, you from? Like that's what I'm saying. Like my vodka partners, they they Philly, Brooklyn, and they like, man, Bakersfield is a weird place, but you you solid. Yeah, because yeah. we think outside the box, and that's yeah. one thing that they realize is that Bakersfield is a place you do have a pocket of people who are stuck in a time warp. Yeah, Twilight it's true, very true. But we do have some of the most unique people that's capable of anything. You know, what yes. I mean? we got yeah. what, what you need a millionaire. All right, what you need a race car driver. All right, exactly. what you need a country singer. All <laughs> right, we got one of those. Yeah. Baseball player. All right, we won one in the World Series last week. Yeah, really? yeah. Like so, like whatever. That's that's the mentality of what mm. makes us great, and that's what I had to tell my company. Yeah, like because they're like, man, how are we gonna do this here? I'm like, man, I'm telling you, my city is competitive. So mm-hmm. if we if we sprout this out in Bakersfield instead of going to L.A. first or going to San Diego first, watch how competitive my city's gonna be with Harlem, with Atlanta, and everywhere else so we dope. at right now. That is so dope. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was uh, when I was at the little writing mixer, uh, people kept asking me where I was from. I said I'm from Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got two, three people like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're from Bakersfield. I'm like, yeah. no, yeah. I, it ain't nothing to be sorry about. Like, I wear it, you know, I wear it on my back. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Remember I told you I was on the 112 tour, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. so, so <laughs> 2005, we had 112 and Keisha Cole tour. Mm-hmm. We had Bakersfield. We had Fresno, Modesto, mm-hmm. and Sac. And I would drop them off at the airport mm-hmm. and fly back. Mm-hmm. The movie Janky Promoters is wrote based on that tour because we went to Modesto and they party cracked. It, it, it cracked. The show that was here sucked. Oh, nobody. The the promoter didn't pay the rest of the money. One twelve didn't even go on stage. Oh my goodness! I had I had thirty of my BC players working security. Mm-hmm. I had to pay my players. The, the concert didn't even go on. Oh my goodness! But but guess what? But because I was solid and from Bakersfield, they put Modesto's finest and made that look like the joke of the of the tour, even though that city was actually one of the cool cities on the mm-hmm. tour. But it was actually could have been janky promoters, but making it look like Bakersfield was the janky promoter city. Oh, but wow. because we so solid, they mm-hmm. didn't do us like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. there's people in the industry that look at us as that yeah, because true. of all the janky shit that happens out here dealing mm-hmm. with people in in, in yeah. or wanting to be in the industry here. Oh, yeah, I just heard man. a story. I, I won't say exactly on the air, but, you know, the Blueface concert, I heard, you know, a couple things that happened there with some janky, you know, 
stuff going on behind the scenes. So. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know who did that one. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was, I was uh, broadcasting it, mm-hmm. moving around, and like you said, you know, we want nobody mad at them because <laughs> they, they the the, the victim mm-hmm. of the subject matter. But yeah, you know, it is what it is. A lot of people want to look the part instead of doing stuff the right way, and that's what gets us in trouble. Back hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think that the mentality you have to have is I'd rather be the one to take a loss and and I'd, be, I'd rather protect not so much my image, but my integrity mm-hmm. and take a loss in a situation so people know that I'm solid Absolutely. than be like, fuck it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then now all of a sudden I've killed opportunities for a whole bunch of people in my city because I was just too selfish to take that. Yeah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, you can kill opportunities for somebody else. You might have an artist in your city that... You're trying to springboard, and this guy's great, but due to the fact that you did some some janky shit, mm-hmm. now they they don't give a fuck about this guy anymore. Absolutely, and they're not going to work with him. Yeah. Like like for our company, there's people in town that have tried to email New York and go around me because I've already said no, we can't work with them oh, because they got issues. Right, right. You know what I mean, and. My CEOs of the of the company have like, well, Ken, hey, you say you don't, you say we don't work with them, we don't work them. That's your area, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But what those people saying, people don't understand is that, hey, I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying I can't work with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because of what your track record is and what you got going on behind closed doors. So, so th- those are the times where, you know, you elevate yourself based on your level of professionalism to be in front of town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know have I mean? to. You have to because if you continue to associate with people that got that questionable, questionable character, it can yeah. damage your brand. Yeah, yes. you, you don't want to. You don't want to have some some nice event and some type of mixer, and then somebody getting in the fight over here and some shits yeah. going on. You like, yeah. God damn! Like mm-hmm. you, you gotta get them out of the situation immediately to, so your city could look like they got some class. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, it's levels. It's in, back to them big ass steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing too, it's just some people you can't work with. Yeah. Like you, like you mentioned, cause uh, here's the deal. Um, and this is no slight to anyone else, but we don't have a bunch of guests on here. We've had mm-hmm. some, some guests, but we do this mainly just me and Keith every I know. I've, I've seen I've seen you guys, and I listen. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the thing about it, when we do choose, choose a guest, is somebody that has to have integrity and someone that's actually doing something. Gotcha. And somebody that has a reliable personality. Because I don't want to get someone on here and they just like just try to have hot takes and say wild shit yeah. or something that's not truly reflective of who they really are. Mm-hmm. So it goes into what we're talking about as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't want the, you know, people, it, there are people all over the country that listen to this podcast. I'm not trying to big myself up, but I get inboxes from people yeah. all over the place. Yeah, absolutely. So the only, the, the, the way that they know about this city is from the podcast. Mm-hmm. If I'm shitting on my city, they're like, oh, it ain't shit where they live. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah, so it's important to, to, you know, uphold the integrity of where we're from. Absolutely. Yeah. And also be the shining lights, you know, yeah. in, in those small pockets and opportunities to show people what we're capable of, mm-hmm. you know, and, that, and that's why I, I like where you went with that from an aspect of just how wide a variety of talent that exists here. You know, we don't have the beautiful scenery and right. great weather, but right. You know, the work ethic is here, man. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's a lot of great things. Even, you know, where, where we at right now, you know, with John and uh, yeah. my boy, Mr. Cummings, you know, I, I, yeah. I met, I met, uh, him when he was doing his uh, acai bowls 
On, yeah, on, yeah, a little track on Brundage. Yeah. yeah, like right around the corner from my neighborhood. You mm-hmm. know, and, and I would go and check on him. Hey, how you doing? You know, so like for me to be here for the first time, I'm proud of him. That's dope. dope. Yeah, that's dope. Support. Progress, man. I think uh, even, you know, with the film that I, I plan on shooting next semester, uh, next semester, I think I'm in school Damn. still. <laughs> and next summer, um, it's about Bakersfield. And, you know, the whole idea is like um, this is what the perception of Bakersfield is. It's the armpit of California and all this and mm. whatever. But it's like, yo, this is actually, um, you know, like you said, it's not the most beautiful. We ain't got no beaches. We ain't mm. got none of that. But we got, but it's beautiful in its own way. And, you Absolutely. know, we have some special people here. So, you know, that's the the goal. I was wondering if you had, because um, soon I'm going to be doing like a little crowdfunding campaign. I was wondering if you had any advice as far as like, how like what would be a good way to promote something like that or like you know just kind of push that the best the best way to push any idea that you have you take just like just like putting a fitted sheet on your bed Mm -hmm. you got to get all four corners down Mm -hmm. that's basically what you got to do with every product that you got you got to you got to attach to people that you know in other places yeah that believe in what you do and, and get them to buy into your idea because gotcha. what happens you take this you take that corner this corner this corner and this corner mm-hmm. and then you just shrink all that stuff in now this is your whole pot yeah that's your whole pot and that's what what everything that i've achieved is just taking all the the teammates yeah friends gotcha. family coaches yeah. most of my supporters are strangers you know what I mean? I got family that never came to none of my events. Wow. Like, I grew up playing games. Nobody came to my games. Oh my you know what God. I mean? But but when you made it, they want to go. There you, you go. You know what I mean? And there like, even go. like with this, excuse me, y'all, with this, with the situation with the with the beverage and, and starting the, the, the vodka mm-hmm. and branding here, I got people that say they will die for me that haven't supported or bought a bottle. Mm-hmm. But that's where, you know, like as you continue to grow, you're going to find out where your support is. Right. And and, and, and I don't want to get religious on y'all because I'm more spiritual than religious. But mm-hmm. even Jesus himself said a prophet is never received in his own hometown. Damn, you know what I mean? You have you, you got to mm-hmm. you got to find people outside of your general region that believe in your product and have them share where they at. And, and, and that's where the real true. Vision mm-hmm. comes in. That is a hundred stuff. That's one hundred ten percent correct. Because I think mm-hmm. the people that are around you the most, and they think they know you. Yeah. yeah. So they think that they know your potential. Yeah. They, they don't believe. They you. don't really mm-hmm. know shit. Like yeah. you don't know what's inside of my heart. Absolutely. You don't know how hard I work and what I do. But at the end of the day, it's not really to convince them. It's more about convincing yourself. You yeah. hit you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. 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 Because mm-hmm. ultimately. <clears throat> I'm, and I'm, I'm, I take a deep breath on this because it's sad to say it. You know, one of my boys, uh, Steve has, he has a company called Seven Percenter, mm-hmm. and it's basically just like on the principles of the Five Percenters. Mm-hmm. It's only seven percent of people that get it. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you know gotcha. what I mean? So you got ninety three percent of the people you're around every day that don't believe in nothing you talking about. Bruh. They they don't come to your shows. Mm-hmm. Like I'm one of the coldest MCs ever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like bar for bar, word for word. You know, I'm 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 from the spitters generation of spitters. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, I had to come to grips that it's gonna be people that will 
I love that will never be fans of mine because they don't get it. They minds can't comprehend the level of talent that I have because they're so used to subpar stuff. Yeah. It's the same thing with so much other stuff. You know, the, a true genius is never going to be accepted. Imagine sitting next to to Thomas Edison then when they was making light bulbs and shit. <laughs> Nobody gave a fuck. What? I mean, man, what? The, you know they're making light Ain't nobody gonna <laughs> light their house with no light bulbs. I've got candles for days. Yeah. yeah. What I need a light bulb for? <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 that's human beings. 100%. Like, that's, it has like a very, like a, a esoteric, like, thing to it. Like, only so many people are gonna understand. Absolutely. What you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith probably has, he goes through that way more than I do. Mm-hmm. People approach him all the time. Oh, I got this idea for a movie. And then Keith is just like, it's, it goes to that lack of respect too. I yep, think if yep. you had more respect for Keith, you wouldn't approach him with this half-baked idea. Mm-hmm. You're approaching him because you think he's just a small-time guy trying to write stuff. Yeah. But this guy has a fucking degree. So yeah. it's not somebody, I've known Keith for, what, 20 years? I, I'm, I respect him enough to not approach him with some idea yeah. that is, you know, I don't have a script for it. I, and even when I talked to him on the phone, I said, I have this idea, but I have not written it. It's just a concept. And I break it down to him because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to waste his time. Yeah. This is somebody I've known for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah, and it and, happens. Yeah. You got to be able to be. And this is where your leadership comes in. You got to be able to be firm with those people that keep bullshitting. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause like I've, I've had to tell people like, man, Hey, like, man, I love y'all, man. But if, Holler at me when y'all ready, man. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's cool. You know, mm-hmm. that's cool. But as you see, next year, you still going to have that same idea and you sitting on it and ain't act on exactly. Nana. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's where, where I, I definitely want to pinpoint this. So many people have amazing ideas and they're afraid to act on them. Yeah. And it's just like I've talked to y'all about the role model stuff. Mm-hmm. It was just me acting on the idea mm-hmm. in the midst of frustration and, and applying for the damn yeah. casting call. Even yeah. like the, the like I've acted in, in TV shows and some other stuff that didn't get picked up, but mm-hmm. I got the part because people that I was supposed to send didn't go. I think that I think that there's it's a fear. There's a fear aspect to it. What I mean by that is there's two types of fear. There's a fear that propels you and there's a fear that holds you back. Fight or yeah. flight. And yeah, I, I yeah. think that when people are afraid to write like write that 45, whatever, write like a paragraph to send to somebody, it's more or less because they feel like they're too small. Like once they get on the other side, they'll, oh, I don't have it in me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I mean, if you don't go for it, then what do you, you're never going to know. Man, if you, you can't win the game, if you don't shoot the shot. Yeah, Maybe sometimes the, the oldest... Sometimes the best plan is no fucking plan. Yeah. Now, now, just go. Just go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we put some time in, man. We got, we up at the two oh five, two hours and five. That's the beautiful thing about podcasts. Sometimes the, the conversation's going so great. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't want it to end, but you mm-hmm. know, people got to go home to their families. And shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it's been great having Kenny on here. Yeah, man. Uh, great Kenny, episode. man, sh- uh, shout out your socials and mm-hmm. whoever else. Oh, well, shoot. Uh, at Ken Christ, K E N C R Y C E. You know, I'm uh, Instagram, you know, Facebook and all that. Uh, Twitter, I don't do it much, but, you know, you can at Ken Christ. Um, Plus vodka.com, of course, you know, check, check us out. We, we expanding like wildfire right now. <laughs> um, 
beautiful thing being part of something you know so innovative takes the sophistication only only uh american made vodka right now the only plum vodka on the market in the country mm-hmm. you know wow. eight times distilled you know most mm-hmm. vodka is only distilled four to six times we the premium of the premium yeah. right now and uh some some beautiful things coming i can't even talk about some of the stuff but you know That's i've dope. already told y'all you know nfl attachments nba attachments all that we got some netflix attachments some movie you, attachments um, you guys got a social media page for the yeah the plus vodka plus mm-hmm. vodka for everything plus vodka we got to link up, man. Do some ads or something, man. Yeah. And my team we could put something together. <laughs> man, we, man, trust me. I'm trying my best. Mm-hmm. Being that we are a newer company, you know, we still got to follow through the protocols. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I even, like, I brought some bottles just to, you know, for us to take some yeah. pictures and, oh, you know, shit. and We should have did that. <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, shoot, just as, as we continue to grow, man, I'm here for y'all, man. That's mm-hmm. what the community about. That's why I got the job, you mm-hmm. know, because I am a community guy. I got... I, I have the opportunity to access it to where it's supposed to be, and we wanted to make sure and start it in Bakersfield because I'm a Bakersfield kid. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of things that are genuine to our area. Mm-hmm. So for us to have an opportunity to to brand this vodka here, you know, it's, 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 it's monumental. You know, it's a dream come true because everything starts in L.A., and everybody yeah. want to think we copycatting off – the South, and you know, we have something to bring to the table. You know, mm-hmm. we 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 pride ourselves in proving ourselves, man. That's just basically what it what it's about. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just honored to have an assignment, and like I said, at any time, all the stuff could be taken away. Right mm-hmm. now, while I got the seat, I'm just trying to do the best job I can, and uh, we've exceeded expectations. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Good stuff, man. All right, well, you guys be sure to check on that. I know you want to have a. A little nightcap with the wife or something. Sophisticated drink. Absolutely, man. Oak Market Liquor. We in Beverage House, the old Liquor King. We had all the Just Wingets. Mm -hmm. We just got the Spot Food Mart over on uh, Wilson. We got the Well. Um, What was it? Sports and Spirits. We got, um, man, we we have to about 25 accounts here in Bakersfield. We just Mm -hmm. launched in San Diego over the weekend. We're going to be up to about a thousand counts by uh, next next year, man. Shit. I remember when you went to that first store. I think you posted that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is Kenny doing? (laughs) This guy guy is everywhere. Man, that was three months ago, man. Now we, uh, we we doing pretty good, man. Yeah. 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 You know, it's it's really, you know, it's, it's an honor to be associated, you know, and it, like I talked about earlier, man, every day is an audition. Every opportunity is a bridge, mm-hmm. right. you know, and, and the the character that you have as you're walking that walk through those opportunities catapults you to that next big ass step. 100%, man. All right. Well, we'll end it on that note. Once again, thanks to Kenny. If you've been listening to this episode, thank you for listening. This is the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fangs. Get out of here. Peace. Peace. Mm-hmm.